How are you guys doing tonight? Doing pretty well. I'm yeah. currently sitting out in my recording shed, and it's super hot, so I'm sitting inside a sauna. Oh. <laughs> the shed. <laughs> uh, banished to the shed. So I'll probably oh, lose five pounds during the, the episode. I guess I that's something to look forward to. Okay. <laughs> Dedication. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I remember I was on a podcast uh, a year or so ago where almost every day we had to record during this time of day when it was super hot and I was sweat and it had a camera too. So I was like sweating every episode, <laughs> at least for the summers. And then it's in the winters, really I'm out there in like three coats. They're like, why are you wearing a bunch of coats? It's like, well, it's, <laughs> it's the middle of winter in my shed. Yeah. And, and it's not like you can isolate it for air conditioning or right nope. now using a fan uh, might be an option, but it's the noise as well. Yep. No, I just got to sweat it out. Oh boy. Sorry. <laughs> also, I've well, been processing a video all day. So like my computer's been spitting out extra heat. Um, yeah. Anyway, I'll be fine though. Oh boy, yeah. I hope you'll be fine. Just let us know if you. I, I guess you are hydrated and have plenty of water at hand. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's good. So um, I'm going to introduce you guys. This is um, Mark MSX. And Hello. Could you tell us what what do you do? Uh, we know that you do uh, YouTube channel, right? You have also a website, Electric Underground. That's and you've right. Been working on input lag test setups. Yes, and, I have. Uh, a bunch of other stuff, right? Like the shoot 'em up arc, uh, you've been working on that and and uh, making comparisons about uh, different ports and different games in, in your channel. What else yes. have you been up to? I don't know. I do so much, I lose track of everything. But yeah, so my channel is primarily focused on shmups. I throw in some arcade content in there from time to time as well. And on that channel, it'll range from all types of different things. I have a podcast or I guess kind of like a live talk show, sort of like this that I do now on Saturdays where we talk about shmup related things. And then I also have shmup reviews. I do topics where I blabber on about esoteric ideas around the genre. Yeah. And then a lot of hardware and emulation stuff on there as well. I've covered the Mr., covered the Donampachi release all the way through. Uh, I did a little bit of a fundraiser to make a special version of the Dodonpachi for Mr. that has a trainer that a few people okay. have been using, which is pretty cool. And that was specifically for the Mr. So Mr. fans, y'all are can enjoy that. That's, we that's we awesome. need more of that, honestly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that that helps <laughs> a lot, right? We'll, we'll talk why that helps and why that's necessary. I guess that uh, as, as we proceed during the whole range of themes that we have for tonight, right? And, and I'm sure we'll touch on that. But we also have you, Aquas, who have been working on streaming for quite a long time and also have been the host of STG Weekly and Hell. Uh, you have several records and are a, a very recognized speedrunner and, and gamer in so many things. Uh, what can you tell us about your, yourself and what you do? Yeah, it's very kind of you to say I'm recognized. Uh, you know, that's, it goes a lot of the way for the ego. <laughs> but no, thanks a lot. Uh, yeah, I really appreciate that. And um, yeah, I've been doing... Uh, Streaming on Twitch since about the onset of Twitch, a little bit after uh, Justin Justin TV went away, about a year after, um, and then uh, I kind of started there, and then I've just been doing it since. And then uh, I uh, founded uh, STG Weekly, uh, basically just a show that talks about shmups with fans of shmups. Um, in 2015, and have been putting out uh, episodes weekly, and then periodically, and then sparsely. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a lot it's, of work. It's not not an easy work to get the. The, the research, right? 
Well, you got to round up people. Um, you have to have the videos, and then you have to have people that are comfortable talking, um, and that doesn't always line up. Uh, so it just kind of comes together as it does. Yeah, having yeah. run my channel, I have a much more empathy and understanding for trying to run a <laughs> weekly show. That sounds like a real challenge, you know, and I, I'm pretty focused on putting out content regularly. But like he said, rounding up a super player, a super play, and then people to talk over it every single week sounds like a really hard challenge. Yeah, I mean, it may, you know, some people are shy. I know it's surprising, but, you know, some people aren't, aren't that talkative out there. And I understand that I'm kind of shy in person myself, so... <laughs> Yeah, it could be intimidating for a lot of people. I, I understand that. Especially the best you, way to, to especially because you have it is. yeah, I mean, especially because you have like this is a I mean, shmups are kind of like a worldwide genre. Um, mm -hmm. People everywhere play this genre, and there's really no just no group or discrimination towards one group or another that that enjoys them. So um, we do often have people with heavy uh, English accents, and it's been a learning experience uh, enjoying all of those people. On the show, <laughs> and and production is not easy, right? I, I've seen the the green screen that you have, Mark, is awesome. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's been a battle. Me and the green screen have had an on and off relationship <laughs> over the past few years. It's been a a real fight. I ended up actually like nailing it to a PVC frame, so it's like <laughs> sitting on a PVC frame, and then. I found out that you needed like really heavy lighting to make it work correctly, mm, but I'm out in a mm -hmm. shed. So how did I do that? So I actually have to light my, I have a giant CRT next to me when I record. Sometimes you can see it in some of the videos. And I have to put on like a pure white image on that CRT just to get enough lighting so that the green screen doesn't look crazy. <laughs> the <Okay>. CRT glow. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I remember what there was one, I can't remember what video it was. You all just need to watch every single video on my channel so you know exactly what video it was. And um, someone, people were comment, commenting in the comment section like, Mark, you look sick. You look like, you know, you've got a greenish, bluish tint to your skin. And that's because <laughs> before I was lighting up the CRT with like a blue background and oh. it made my skin look like I was sick. I was like, no, it's it's just the lighting. I'm not dying yet. So <laughs> hang in there. Yeah. There's so much stuff to, to account for when you're streaming, right? Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. it's it's. I believe it's harder to produce edited material than to stream in a way because... When you're done, you're done with streams, but it's way more stressing at the time of recording when you're streaming, right? Oh my gosh, yeah. Editing videos is like 80% of the time commitment. It's, it takes way more than the actual sitting down and recording, Yeah. if you want to yeah. do a good job anyway. I always like to sit and fantasize about if I ever had like an editor that I could just boss around and have them <laughs> do all the grunt work, how much content I could put out there. And sometimes I get a little bit uh, cranky towards... Whenever you watch these, like, you know, multi-million subscribed YouTube channels and they're like, I just can't edit videos anymore. It's like, dude, hire someone to edit your videos. But uh, that's a tangent. Yeah. But, well, that's that's a life. It's, it's really hard to keep track of everything uh, in every level. That's what I mean. You have to check lightning. You have to check the levels. You have to check the proper calibration. You have to check the captures. You have to check mm. your 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 uh what you're gonna talk about right yes notes making yeah, sure there's... you're not doing weird things in front of the camera like yeah. touching your face too much that was a habit i had in my early recordings where i'd touch my face all the time and i had to like redo entire videos because as i was watching back through 
Like, I am touching my face way too much. I look like I'm on drugs. So then you have to, like, you have to, like, train yourself to be on camera a little bit. But, yeah, but you notice it uh, more than the public, I bet. Probably. Probably. Yeah. There's sometimes where you, there's, like, there's been videos where I've made where, you know how you put, like, borders around, like, the gameplay footage? I remember one video, I spent hours rendering it. I spent, like, a week working on it. And I got so lost in all that process that one of the borders was like slightly off of the gameplay footage. So there's like this tiny gap between the gameplay footage and the border. And I just expected everyone watching the video to immediately comment, what the hell? There's a gap. Fix it. Mm, You know, I demand a refund. That always (laughs) happens to me, man. I get that gap all the time. (laughs) Yeah. And no one and no one has ever commented and been and noticed it. So (laughs) that's that's an example. Yeah, and the thing is, it's it's way harder because you you have more time to change things. When when you're on air, it's like okay, it's done. I, I can try and fix it while while live, but that's it, right? And with your yes. editing, you can go and reshoot. Or and and man, <laughs> it gets crazy, right? Absolutely. That's actually one reason why I've kind of turned a little bit more towards the electric live rather than doing mm-hmm. as many podcasts, because it literally took me about ten hours of editing to do the podcast episodes because I'm so meticulous about, oh, he took an extra breath here. I didn't like that. So I'd go and like remove their breath. Oh, he Mm -hmm. said, um, three times. So I've got to go remove your ums. It it just gets to be where you do that for 10 hours. OCD kicking in. Yeah, we're on a tangent, but I understand. Yes, I'm very OCD with the audio. I I do the same. And it's because you you think people will be more engaged. You don't want your your guests to feel, to, to sound like, they are making any mistake slightest, yeah. right? You want to just like showcase them. <laughs> I know exactly. And try to correct. Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some people no, have commented on like, well, like, like, like some of the SCG we level says like a toilet, a toilet flushing in the background, and <laughs> yeah. oh yeah. One of the favorite one, my favorite one. I actually left it in because I thought it was funny. Was there's a Jamers episode of um, the Electric Underground it was one of my very first episodes. I think like episode five or six. And I was such a fanboy of Jamers that I about I almost threw up before I interviewed him. Mm-hmm. And I also was getting like like really nervous. You can't really tell that much in the recording, but it was one episode where I recorded it in a hotel because I was on the road and I didn't want to cancel on Jamers. Like, no, you don't cancel on Jamers. So I went into a rec- uh, hotel room and started recording. And like mid-recording, the cleaning lady, she doesn't knock. She just mm. bursts into the room as I'm recording and she's... She starts like saying stuff to me and you're like, hey, what do you, you know? And so I left it in the episode. So there's a part of the episode where mid mid recording, the, the cleaning lady bursts in because I thought it was kind of funny. Yeah. It's, Housekeeping. It's... Yes, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I did this, uh, re- I did this funny re- meme remix of the interview where it's called Bros Before Toho's, where I took uh, voice samples of Jamer saying things and I tried to make them sound kind of like, like hip hop lyrics and then um there's a part at the end where she comes in you get housekeeping and then <laughs> and then i'm like well, what are you doing here and then she goes oh and then in the in the song she goes like oh 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 <laughs> holy shit <laughs> yeah. you got it so if y'all haven't heard bros before toho go li- give that a listen <laughs> awesome so uh what what got you into games aquas oh since i was just like four years old i my first, like, one of my first memories is watching my uh, brother and dad play Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, and my brother, I do believe, beat Mike Tyson. 
And uh, I was just like, what the fuck's going on? This is exciting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's like my first gaming memory. And then uh, basically from there, I just I just kept staying interested in uh, gaming as I was growing up and that type of thing. Um, didn't have a lot of interests, other interests growing up. Awesome. And uh, so your fir- well, your first contact was with an S, but was there any particular system where you got hooked or was your own system? Yeah, for sure. Uh, we were we were a Nintendo household. Um, so we had the NES first, and then the SNES, and then the N64. And we actually had the N64 uh, day one that it was released. And I don't, I don't really think anything's going to ever beat the release of that system. That blew everyone's mind. It blew our minds. because uh, Absolutely. Um, like, uh, when I was growing up, um, I had some... In the neighborhood here where I still live, uh, I had a bunch of friends, and... We'd get together and do our like gaming sessions and stuff, but it really took off once the N64 t- um, came out because of the four controller ports and you know all that good stuff, Mario 64, Goldeneye, and, and all that stuff. And I remember, I vividly remember when Mario 64 came out. Everyone was over here, and we we're just like, we didn't, we were speechless. We didn't, we didn't know what to say. Like it was just so fucking good. <laughs> like nothing was like that ever like before it was just it was such a leap and i I honestly don't think that's ever going to happen in gaming again i agree with aquas 100 percent here because i had an extremely similar experience and in fact i have younger ish friends from finding games you know that you go and play like weeklies with them you end up chatting about things and one of them i remember he was going on this sort of rant about how ocarina of times overrated the n64 is overrated the textures suck and i had to get you know into boomer mode for a minute and be like listen son when the N64 came out, that blew our minds. Like, it was insane. I remember the first time I played Mario 64, I couldn't believe it. And it was actually at my friend's house. And I went home and I had to wait like a year before I got the game. And I was insanely jealous. And every single day I thought about, oh, I wish I had Mario 64 and I'd like draw it in school and stuff. I mean, it was, yeah, it was, I, I agree with Aquas. I don't think there's, it's going to, we're ever going to have our minds blown that hard ever again. It was just so crazy because, like, you booted it up and then, like, you're just in the courtyard or whatever of the castle and then you have the controls of Mario and then you realize that the analog has Mario doing, like, eight different animations depending on how how much speed you have with the analog. And that was, like, they really went the extra mile to just, like, like, let people know, like, this is how it's going to be from now on. And, I mean... Some games, like, actually had that definition of movement, but a lot of games didn't after that. Like, Mario 64 still holds pretty good for having that. (laughs) Yeah, I remember spending (laughs) hours just running around the courtyard, swimming in the water, climbing the trees, looking for Yoshi. Uh, It's just, (laughs) yeah, like, that game and Ocarina of Time, definitely. I remember, I don't know if I've told this story on my channel. I've always wanted to, but... When I went to, I used to go to church when I was a kid a lot, you know, I grew up in a very like religious area and we'd have to go to church for hours. And I remember I was obsessed with Ocarina of Time at the time and I just figured out how to beat the water temple. I was like, right. And I knew once I beat the water temple, that's when you get the master sword. And I was obsessed with that. And then like mid water temple, my parents like, okay, we have to go to church now, you know, put down your game. You have to go. I'm like, and I was sitting in church for hours and we had to go through, you know, everything. And I started getting like annoyed in class, in church. I was like, all right, move it, move it, Jesus. We get it. You know, you you saved us from our sins. Let's move it. Let's move it. And uh, I remember (laughs) like that the Sunday school teacher was like really offended that I was all mad. And then my parents were like, 
they're like, this is the devil's machine, you know, type of thing. And I got like uh, grounded for a week because uh, all it's all Nintendo's fault. So there was yeah. a lot of good stuff back then. Uh, for <laughs> yeah. me, like I had a friend that uh, I didn't have a PC, but I had a friend. I had a friend down the road that had a PC and like and DOS and all and all that stuff, and uh, got to experience some of that growing up. And then like uh, that same friend, also his dad was a fan of Pac Man, and they were kind of like a rich family. Yeah. So they actually had a uh, cocktail um, oh, Pac-Man that's cabinet. Cool. That's awesome. And uh, I got kind of addicted to it because I, <laughs> I would just always bum over there and just see what's going on. And it's like it was like kind of a second family type of situation when I was growing up. And I just I just always go over there and I'd play Pac-Man at least a little bit. And uh, eventually, like I beat like his dad's Pac-Man score. Ooh. Oh, man, you were then you were banned from the household. Like, All right, like it was a kind of iffy situation because it was over a million points, and uh, I was like eight years old or something. And his dad, like after I got that score and I and I beat it, like I was like, man, I feel pretty accomplished. And I came back the next day, and like the dad was like butthurt. He uh, unplugged yeah. the machine and uh, reset the score. Oh my god! <laughs> I I remember. This is an arcade me. story. I remember going to the arcades and they had Soul Calibur one in this local arcade that was like arcade slash bowling alley. And I remember there was some older dude, you know, he's probably in his twenties, early twenties, and I was an eight year old kid and I was just whooping his ass in Soul Calibur by playing Taki and just ringing him out over and over. I knew how to like ring him out really well. And he was getting so mad. And I was like, okay, I don't want this old man to beat me up. So I eventually had to like leave the machine. But yeah, it, it is funny back in the day how you could get some of the older people salty by beating them in video games. Like, even as a kid, like, I mean, you know, you're able to pick up on uh, some of these mechanics that really are cheap or like good or effective. And yes, that's kind of a cool thing about games, like, especially those uh, more simplistic ones, is. You know, even uh, even if you're a pretty young a, y- a young kid, like you're probably gonna figure it out because I mean, kids learn so quickly or whatever. Yeah, and, I remember. Uh, it's kind of interesting. <laughs> I remember uh, <laughs> just like uh, yeah, be abusing the ring out exactly. For exactly. Example. I remember my <laughs> older brother did that to me in like 2010 or 2011, where we grew up. We played Street Fighter two together, and he always beat me down. And then you know, after Street Fighter four came out, he you know he stopped playing fighting games and everything. But I was playing Street Fighter 4 and learning all the uh, links and, you know, everything like that. And I was like, oh, I'm such a hardcore fighting game player. And then my brother comes over and we play Street Fighter 2 again. And he plays Chun-Li and he just th- he does the thousand kicks or whatever it is to me in the corner for like an hour. And I can't, I try to anti-air him. I can't anti-air him. I'm, and that was after I was playing fighting games. And I was like, this game is such BS. <laughs> but uh, eventually I figured out how to how to beat it. But it is funny that some of those tactics that you think won't hold up over time, they can still uh, they can still throw you for a loop even years later. Oh man, I, re- I rented so many games from the uh, video store too back in the day, um, including like uh, Mortal Kombat three. That was one that uh, I ended up like kind of getting good at. And like my brother, who was uh, six years older than me, he would have like his all his friends over and stuff, and like they'd let me in to like hang out with them sometimes because they. I think they kind of knew I was like good at games, so like I ended up like whoop, uh-huh. whoop, whoop, like whooping everyone's ass in Mortal Kombat three, and they were just like, <laughs> yeah. "Damn, like I don't know what to do. Like this kid's too good. What the fuck?" <laughs> I, used, I used to use Sub Zero and get like that uh, six hit combo with us. Yes, Mortal Kombat three is very satisfying. <laughs> Run up and uh, j- 
just do the the punches, the run, do the punches, uppercut, sweep, run, do the punches, uppercut, sweep. That was my go-to Mortal Kombat 3 strategy. Loved Mortal Kombat 3 back in the I day. I played that game so much. Did you do the SNES port where you could unlock all the ridiculous stuff? Like uh, you could unlock the Galaga mode and you can have smoke and all it these was the characters. Yeah. yeah, that was awesome. It's one of those games we rented a, a bunch for sure. Man, that's like something that's not coming back as game rentals too. <laughs> oh, that's that's a, that's a done deal. Well, I guess Gamefly is a thing, but yeah, I mean... Not quite the same. <laughs> Soon we'll be, you know, be flying just uh, pieces of paper with codes on it. That's that'll be game flight. They'll just write down the download code and mail it to you. <laughs> oh, it looks like we uh, did we lose our our, our Temio. I think or, so. Or no. he's in the audience because he he figured that we're we're such a great host. He's like, yeah, they got this. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, There's so, a lot of stuff that happened back then. The, I, I'm looking at the. Uh, I'll, I'll take over as MC a little bit here. I'm looking at the topics list, and this is a great question he had for the icebreaker section, which is, did you ever stop gaming? Was there a period in your life where you stopped gaming? Yeah, for me, uh, not necessarily, but I definitely was like in and out a little bit, especially in high school. Yeah. Um, but I, it was always kind of a thing in the background for me. So I went through a phase in high school, and I, I wonder for people listening, I uh, went through a similar thing where I was a very closeted gamer in high school. I actually kind of still am in my IRL life. Like most people I hang out with besides my gaming friends don't know that I'm in gaming. When I go to work, I let on like I don't really know much about gaming, especially when I was dating. You know, I'd have to take all my systems, throw them under the bed before the girl comes over. It's like, oh, what? You know, I, you know, like, <laughs> like it's refuse. Uh, um, but yeah, in high school, I gamed, but I gamed on the down low. You know, I, I didn't let anyone know that I was still playing uh, that's when I actually started uh, speedrunning a little bit. I started speedrunning Super Metroid from, and I would go on GameFAQs and like read about how to speed boot, like speedball and mockball and all that sort of stuff. And uh, but I always kept it on the down low. And then I went through a period early college where I only played Metal Gear for like two years. Like I just played Metal Gear one, two, and three over and over for years, on and off. And then what brought me back to being like a, a gamer was uh, fighting games when I got Street Fighter Four and Virtua Fighter Four, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna be a, I'm gonna be a world class fighting game player." <laughs> That's what got me into gaming again. Yeah, Street Fighter Four was pretty big. I mean, pretty big deal, yeah. Because uh, fighting games were like dead, like essentially dead for like like a decade or something, and then Street Fighter Four came out and. It looked like a you know had that painting style, which was very appealing, and the gameplay was also excellent. I think it was also um, just a, fr- a breath of fresh air because at the time it felt like everything coming out on the on the PS3. This was just from my perspective, being a little less immersed. It felt like everything was a Call of Duty clone or Call of Duty, you know, or some some type of FPS. And so yeah. it, it was cool to see like an arcade style game get a major release and get attention. I think that was what I was like, oh, OK, we're we're gaming again. We're like going to play some uh, Street Fighter. We're going to play some, uh, you know, these types of games. So it was a big deal for me, too. I mean, that definitely got me into finding games myself. Uh, Street Fighter 4 was pretty it was pretty huge. Like at first, <laughs> yeah. like I started playing it with just uh, with my friend, like around here. We just play against each other for probably like a year straight and we loved it. Um, and then eventually, like, I kind of was, like, wondering, like, okay, how, how do I actually get better? Like, 
it all started like basically when I realized you could actually like cancel uh, like a medium attack with a fireball. Right. Yeah. Four. Like I didn't really like understand the mechanics really all that well at first. And I uh, remember. Yeah. And like that really changed a lot of things. <laughs> I remember I actually looked on YouTube and followed this guy's tutorial series. And I don't know what this happened to this dude's channel. It was like one of those channels that popped up in Street Fighter 4 that had a little bit of popularity and then instantly died after Street Fighter 4 end. Or, or he like, I don't know, whatever happened to I actually can't remember what it was. But he wasn't any type of fighting game figure or anything like that that I know. But yeah, I followed this just random YouTubing channel and his, his advice was like, block, uppercut. <laughs> so that's what I did. I was like, block, <laughs> uppercut, block, uppercut. And he's like, okay, now Damn. you can do... Now you can do uh, medium into fireball into you know like a super and so i like took it really small pieces of at a time and then i learned how to vortex with akuma and then all hands all hell broke loose then and i just uh sat there and tried to vortex people until they nerfed it in a ultra in street fighter ultra and it really was amazing uh just how like few mechanics you would need to know to like really get hooked in to street fighter 4 specifically i guess like, yeah, I mean, it was great. Welcome back, Artemio, our host. Hey, I Hello. I went away. Although I know you you don't need me to talk, so that's good. <laughs> at least, <laughs> yeah, the ISP went down, and it was because some water damage to the to the hub. Oh boy. Yeah, but I have a uh, another half, so I just swapped it. Wow. Yeah, yeah, good. Cannot be Eventful. stopped. Uh, good <laughs> but it wasn't something more serious although water damage there man completely unexpected I need to figure out where that came from but uh, fixed sorry so uh, so I yeah, think we uh, left off on how did you find out about Mr. and I believe Aquas knew about the Mr. before I did and I'm gonna cheat because I found out about the Mr. from Aquas I was spying on his channel and I saw it and I was like Ooh, <laughs> so nice. um, better answer this question because that's how I actually found out about it. Well, yeah, it kind of goes back to uh, All Anonymous, who um who does builds for people at uh, cost value, and he's been doing this for basically since he he actually had gifted me my my Mister, and the reason he did that is because he knew that I was going to play the, the living shit out of it, and uh, I have been, and uh, that's so. I mean, you can really thank him for that, and. Uh, I wasn't, like, I knew about it a little bit before, like, he had gifted me one, but I wasn't convinced about, like, what it was actually capable of, because, like, the first time he showed me it was in a hotel room, like, off of, like, a, ho a hotel room TV, and I was like, well, I, I, I don't know if I, I, off of a hotel room TV, I mean, what what, what is this going to be, like, was it just an emulator machine, or was it, like, a pie or whatever, but, uh, yeah, eventually once I started trying it out myself, <clears throat> and he sent me one, I was like, Okay, this is uh there's like very little input lag and works really good through HDMI and uh just started kinda going from there and everything everything's kinda worked pretty good. Um so <laughs> was there any, went from uh, there. Was there anything in particular that really catched your eye or that was fully different from what you expected? Well, being able to use uh, any uh USB device is a big deal because Absolutely. I love to use arcade sticks. Mm -hmm. So being able to use arcade sticks for NES, SNES, Turbo Graphics, and arcade games 
and basically anything you want. I mean, that was a, that's a pretty big deal for me. And, and the lack of input lag, I mean, that just, that really goes a long way, especially because, uh, we were kind of in that era prior where, uh, input lag was kind of like shut under the floor, like the carpet, so to speak, like virtual console. Like Virtual Console on the Wii was never really that good, <laughs> like, <laughs> but like people like just accepted it. But like, I, I it all kind of goes back to that Life and Gaming documentary with M two, like where they say yeah. like they want to they want to preserve like the actual culture of gaming by having good input lag, like a good input delay, because like that's how you play these games like effectively. Yeah. Um. So yeah, kind of like all from that. The, you know, that documentary, I was asked to help on, on making those questions for the M2 crew. Oh, that's really cool. I was so uh, <laughs> worried about which questions to make, right? It turned out mm. so well. That, that, I reference that documentary all the time. Yeah, it's I like, like it. I remember it was, it's like by far my favorite thing on My Life in Gaming. And I remember in like a Q&A episode or one of their episodes, they're like, yeah, it's not all that popular of a video. No one really cares about it that much, but we did it because we think it's cool. And I was like, well, I care about it. I think it's cool. <laughs> they, they put so much love into it because yeah. we, we already, I usually go and, and just like fact check some other things on my areas of expertise. That's all I do for my life in gaming, really. They do the whole thing, obviously. I think it's, yeah, I think it's, you can kind of get that vibe from it. I think it's hilarious. Like the shot, I just love it because it shows how passionate the shot trigger team is, specifically yeah. the guys who work on shot triggers. Because, yeah, they're basically like, no, 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 whatever, whatever. Let's talk about shmups. Okay, let's talk about Battle Garega's rank system. Let's yeah. talk about the special weapon system. And you can tell the audience is like, uh, what is this? <laughs> uh, I, I love how passionate they are. Uh, they did an amazing job doing that, that documentary. Yeah, that's a that's a cl- a classic I think of shmup content because it's basically interviewing I think the best shmup porting team ever. I mean, their ports are absurdly good and I can't shill for them hard enough. It's just yeah. uh, the M2 Shotriggers team, it's incredible and I always kind of have this theory that everything they're doing makes absolutely no financial sense and their yes, bosses are yes. like what are you doing okay we have so much more time and resources we could be spending for profits and they're like no 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 this is this is important you know there's you know what i mean i always kind of feel like they're they're being uh it's like uh, the definition of a passion project where it makes Indeed. no sense financially but they are just so passionate about the games that they're going to do it like what he mentions about doing the fantasy zone 2 arcade port right same yeah. thing that's that's awesome. And, and talking about, uh, you, you mentioned uh, input lag. We have to define those terms. We'll, we'll talk a bit more about those in, in a minute. But before that, there's also the issue that you mentioned, arcade sticks. So, which, which do you prefer, Sanwo or Samitsu? Samitsu. Nice. Absolutely. Sanwo. Okay. <laughs> yeah. well, I'm Samitsu too. So, Aquas and I are going to have to, you know, battle it out here. To win your to win your votes, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you I'll give you my reason why I like Samitsu better than Sanwell. It's because Samitsu has these little levers on their micro switches mm-hmm. that I think when it comes to playing shmups, they give you a little bit more control over the tension and they give you a little bit more control over when the activation occurs, and so you can get these very 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 precise tiny tiny little dodges with those more reliably than you can with the Sanwa, which has more of a pop to it 
And so I think that's one of the main reasons. The other reason is I think just the Sanwa levers themselves are just heavier. They just have more more support. They feel like you could bludgeon someone to death with them. They just feel so rock solid that I definitely prefer the Sanwas or the Samitsus. But that being said, I actually don't play Saimitsu. I play on Korean stick. So maybe that's, <laughs> maybe that's the third hidden option where I actually play on Korean stick. I don't play on Sanwa. Nice. This is relevant to, to the audience that's that's listening because it's gonna be a series of of little details in the chain, right? That we'll detail later on. Oh, I'm ag I'm again dead. You're alive. Oh, you're alive and well. sorry. <laughs> oh, sorry. I thought oh <laughs> again dead. So it's it's oh, gonna be yeah. a lot of of details that we'll go over because there's a series of things, uh, right? From how you feel the dead zone on the stick how you feel, uh, how much force you need to, to pull the lever or move it. Like you mentioned, uh, the different micro switches make a difference. And that goes to the, to the USB encoder, right? Or, or directly into the, the core. And all that adds up and also to the TV. So I will also you have, say this, though, for yeah. Sanwas. I feel like I, as far as actual real world, you need to beat the game, you need to play the game. I think the difference in performance between them isn't like this night and day thing where it's like, oh, mm -hmm. you know, you, you play in a Samitsu and all of a sudden you're just a better player. I think you could get away with playing on either lever completely fine. You can play very high level on a Sanwa just like you can on a Samitsu. I mean, these are just tiny little differences. Mm -hmm. And for a long time, I was a little bit more of a controller elitist because I there's an episode where I say like, never play on a 360 pad. 360 pads are pieces of garbage. It is not possible to play high-level shmups on a 360 pad. It's just not possible. And then Gus comes around and is doing all this stuff <laughs> on a 360 pad. And I'm like, all right, I have to eat my words a little bit here. If So at the yeah. end of the day, if Gus is getting Mushi Futari Ultra Clears live on a freaking 360 pad, the game is open. You can you can definitely get away with playing really well on either level completely fine. Yeah, I mean, that guy supports like my preference for Sanwa is like, yeah, the the differences are small, but if you're really like itching for that little bit of extra help, like, yeah, changing to a Samitsu is a good, probably a good idea. But uh like it is definitely a fact that like D-pad versus stick like d-pad is going to be able to respond faster because you have the instant neutral when you let go of a direction and with an arcade stick you're waiting for the lever to move to neutral that's um, right so also the, there is the, that the taps right course the there is that difference this is why i actually like korean sticks yeah <laughs> you've you've opened the door where uh <laughs> korean sticks have this real nice snap back to neutral just like pops right back to neutral super fast. So it's kind of like a, a middle ground between a the feel of a Sanwa and Isamitsu, where it has a nice pop to it like a Sanwa, but it has those nice uh, levers on the micro switches like a Samitsu and has a very unique tension where it gains more tension the further out your input goes. Mm. And I, I just really like the feel of Korean sticks. Uh, and and it I, doesn't, I only play on Korean sticks. So Does it have any... Uh, I'm guessing this is from a spring... Or some sort? No, so um, Sanwa and Saimitsu both use springs, but Korean uh -huh. sticks use a rubber grommet. So there's no, there's like a little spring that provides tension to the, whatever it is, the actuator on some of them, on the crown sticks, I think. But for the most part, um, it's all in that rubber grommet that so provides you're, tension. You're creating new needs for me now. 
Yeah. Another thing too is Korean sticks are definitely more durable than uh, Japanese sticks. That you could beat your Korean stick with a hammer; it'd probably hang in there. But uh, I've been to a few arcades, actually a lot of arcades, where you know the the poor. We had one uh, Sanwa at one of the arcades in my local area. It was a Marvel versus Capcom three machine, and well, that, it had been like snapped in half. It wasn't even like kind of bad. The the stick was like snapped out of place because Americans are mean to their arcade cabinets. So. <laughs> um, I think that's part of the reason why Korean sticks are also really useful. Is they're they're pretty tough. Sanwa's so, are really tough too, though. Like that's my other uh, support for Sanwa. Is that the OBS uh, F32? I think mm-hmm. stick. That's the arcade standard, just straight up. So that's the majority of uh, arcade sticks you're going to run into in Japan. It's going to be the that Sanwa stick. Mm-hmm. I've heard a so, lot of the shmup machines have Saimitsus in them. I don't doubt that, but like, still, <laughs> the Sanwa is king. Like yeah, it's, it's 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 easier to find a Sanwa, but you do find Samitsus, and some cabinets came with Samitsus from stock, like the Capcom Impress. It's not the shoot 'em up cabinet, but it was it, it ended up use mm. you, it up in use for that, right? It might be a thing where Samitsus were probably a little bit more popular in the past, so maybe older cabinets probably came with Samitsus, and nowadays mm. the Sanwas the hotness, so maybe they come with the Sanwas. I like all yeah. the arcade sticks, mm. but uh. I mean, there's, yeah. you can't go wrong and, with any of them. And it's a, a whole uh, thing to learn about because of uh, you need some adapters and faceplates depending on which models you, you are using, right? Probably, yeah. Square gate's the standard, but... Um. Yeah, there's, there's also gates, like you just mentioned, but I was talking about uh, the plates that you need to attach them to certain yes, cabinets. Yes, mounting or, plates, yeah. Yeah, oh. sorry. sorry. I think Sanwa's plates. and... I, I can't remember, because I think... Samitsu plates nowadays have like very you, you could fit them on Sanwa cabs mm-hmm. these days, but maybe older Samitsu sticks have different yeah. plates. That's possible. Yeah, they they did at least in okay, the in a go. few impress. Uh, you have to to get that, and also the the connector. It was kind of different in some cases. I'm guessing it's more standardized nowadays. I don't know. You you guys should know better than I do. No, I'm not cool enough to have a cabinet. I'm sitting out here in a shed. No, but I'm talking about uh, when you're a kid stick that you're using. Uh, yeah. What do you use to mount them or, or replace them? Or is it yeah, is so it just the, standard stuff? So the Samitsu sticks and Sanwa sticks that I own, they both have the same mounting plates. Okay. As far as like they both can mount on the standard mount. The Korean, you got to get a little creative with it because they need special plates, and you need to if you have a full collar Korean stick, you need to drill a hole to make more room for the mm. for the collar so mounting green sticks is a little bit more complicated but these days if you go to like focus attack i'm pretty sure if you buy a sanwar or a samitsu both of them will be able to mount in like a hori case or a regular case i think they've made it so that you don't have to worry about that as much these days i'm assuming i see and you you mentioned the restrictors aquas that's a lot, a lot of uh, topics in one thing. And to which restrictors you 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 use? Four four way all the way for for me. I've tried eight way. I've tried circle gate. Like they're they're cool. Um, but four way just always feels the most natural to me. I, I like I like having the the square like that you go in mm-hmm. between. Um, and that's like something that's actually kind of a big difference between the Sanwa. OBS F32 and the LS or in the LS32 uh, from the Saimitsu. Um, I think I'm getting those numbers right. But anyway, like everyone compares uh, the LS32 Saimitsu to that Sanwa stick. 
And like the thing with the Saimitsu LS32 is like when you uh, bring the stick like around the square, um, you'll actually feel like kind of some notches in the corners of the square. Mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. that, and that was completely not cool with me, <laughs> because like I went to uh, I was I was playing an LS32 on my friend's cabinet, and uh, I have a, I'm pretty aggressive with the arcade stick, and I was just trying to ride like the gate, like kind of ride the corners like very heavily, and I was like I was even like shaking out some stuff on top of his cab, because like I just kind of like uh, kind of get into it like that. But like the LS32 has like these like little bumps in the corners. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, as I understand, that's not a thing with the LS56. I haven't used one, but yeah, for for that reason, uh, I don't like the LS32 because I'm a very active player with uh, bringing the arcade stick to the absolute corners where you don't feel any resistance except for the square itself. I will say that. If you go from a stock Sanwa to a stock LS32, at least from the stock LS32 that I bought, it's probably not going to be a fun time too because the LS32 stock ones, at least the one I got, have like really light tension. That was just the one I bought. It was like really light. So I always like to mod my Samitsu sticks a little bit. So I replaced the plate to give it a nice regular square gate. So uh, yeah, so like Aquas is saying, you don't have to deal with the, the funky the plate and then mm-hmm. also you, i actually like to add in a little extra spring tension onto them to make it a little more snappy and and as mm-hmm. i was saying before this all adds up right into how you feel the game and back when you're controlling a ship it it, it just feels better right more natural well the, the nice i mean that's the nice thing about arcade stick is like you're kind of your whole arm is invested in those mo- mm-hmm. in those motions instead of just your thumb and your finger so it's like and that, and for that reason, it's also um, easier on your fingers and hands because you're using more of your whole arm. So I, I always tell people if they're having issues with like their hands and stuff, like maybe you want to look into getting an arcade stick because oh, you that's might be act- able to uh, extend your like game gameplay sessions and that kind of thing. And I I definitely go back and forth between a uh, controller and arcade stick for that reason, so I can kind of keep keep things rolling along. And how I do you set it up? Completely. Like, do you uh, use uh, tables? Sorry. Oh, go ahead. I did use a table for a while, uh, and then eventually I just got used to playing in my lap because of mm. like going to fighting game tournaments and stuff, which I did for SF4. And and you, Mark? I play on my lap. I'm not happy with it, but it's um, necessity at this point because I don't. I sit on the floor. I guess maybe that's like authentic Japanese style. I sit on the floor and play the all deck. the games. <laughs> yeah, I play. I actually got a little like this little mini chair that I sit on now where. It, because I can't get a chair in here. There's no mm. way. So I have this little, uh, it's like a legless sort of back support Oh, that, th- those are great. Japanese yes. ones, right? Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. I sit on the floor when I play, and so I have to have it in my lap. I think if you can get it mounted to a cabinet, that is the best deal because it's not going to slip and slide, and you can get a little bit more control over it. And so, but of course that's hard to pull off. And I have seen players like mount with like braces, their sticks to tables. I was like, oh, that's a cool idea. So if you got the space for it, maybe mount it to a table, something like that would be pretty cool. But yeah, for me, I get away with just sitting down and having it on my lap. I think that's why having a really good case is important. And I try to have a nice hefty case so you're mm-hmm. not slipping and sliding. Yeah, there's, there's definitely some slipping and sliding going on. Um, and you just kind of get used to like pulling it back and uh, kind of fixing your orientation and that kind of thing. Con- 
I've just considered on like how heavy it is. <laughs> yeah, I've considered vel putting like Velcro on the bottom of it, <laughs> mm -hmm. but then I'd have to wear like special Velcro pants or something when I play. <laughs> well, those uh, those Quambas, all those Quamba sticks have uh, like a a more traction on the bottom. Yeah, they have like, like a mouse. Plate. They have like a mouse pad thing on the bottom. Yeah, I've considered like, that too. But the true sign of uh, arcade stick player is seeing the like sweat from your thighs that like builds into the steel plate on the bottom. <laughs> or you can look in the, the bottom of your stick to see how how used it, how used it is. <laughs> or the hand, or the hand gunk on the faceplate. If you play a lot, you get your hand gunk oh, on yeah. the buttons, and you gotta, you gotta go wipe that gunk clean, away. You gotta clean that off. Yeah, but some uh, people don't. Some people don't wipe away the gunk though. <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> Yeah, now you're say who, now that you're talking about that, do you grease uh, the sticks? How 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 <laughs> how often do you change yeah, you the, the? Yeah, I know. So definitely. How how um, often so, do you, do they need to? So I remember I neglected greasing one of my sticks for years because I didn't know you were supposed to do that, and it it did get grindy and catchy, and it would sometimes catch on inputs and stuff. So I actually have no idea how often you're supposed to do that <laughs> because I play on Korean stick now and. Uh, it's you can you can grease those I think a little more easily because the actuator is just right there. But uh, yeah, if you, I think if you can keep it nice and um, lubricated, that's going to help you out a lot over time. You, uh, Not going to get mean, sticky inputs. As long as you got that little like circle around the stick, I don't think much is going to get in there. Like my uh, Hori VXSA for the 360, like that thing still feels like really damn good, and that, that's my mm. most used stick from like 10 years ago, and it's all Sanwa. Yeah, and, I think uh, also I I have no issue with that. <laughs> I think also where you play makes a difference. I play mm. out in a shed where dust flies mm -hmm. around in here. Like I'm yeah. sitting, in, I'm weird. I'm like sitting out the here dust in cover. Dirt I think that's what those are playing. called. But if, you, if but if you're playing in like a nice, you know, nice uh clean room, I yeah, I doubt you'd get too much buildup or issues. Those are called dust covers, right? The little circle around the stick. Yes, yes, yeah. But before we get away from the, from the gate discussion, I, I just wanted to point out uh, a few thoughts on the gates because I was really into gates for a really long time and trying to figure out the best I could which gate I thought was the best. I play on a Korean stick, so you, you play on this sort of like soft square gate where it's it's not necessarily a circle gate because you get a little bit of corner action, but they're much softer than a than a regular square gate. But if you're playing on a Japanese stick, I would recommend a square gate for that. And the reason for it is... You have nice, short cardinal directions, so you can go up, down, left, right. It's a mm -hmm. really short distance to the gate, and I think that's nice because then you have less travel backwards. But then you have these really nice, deep diagonal inputs, so you can always hit those diagonals. Like mm -hmm. You're not going to miss the diagonal. The problem with playing on circle gates or on even octagonal gates, whatever, eight-way gate, whatever it's called, uh, is that sometimes you can like miss those diagonal inputs like let's say you're a tekken player and you're trying to korean backdash a bunch if you have an octagonal at least in my experience sometimes you end up grinding right over that diagonal Agree. input yeah whereas the square gate you just have that you cannot miss the diagonal i mean you have to be <laughs> it, doing it something feels, terribly wrong it's like a, that diagonal it's, it's reassuring right in a way because yes. the, the octagonal one it just feels like so loose it's yes. there's no control yeah. But you can get kind of like stuck in between inputs where you go for the diagonal and then you hit the thing between the diagonal and the cardinal. Um, I, I'm i sure there's some scenario where the the uh, eight cut is good. I don't know what it would be, but I, I'm sure there is some scenario like that. Maybe DDR or something. I don't know. But uh, 
I think as it's just like for for people they just kind of like feel that might be more natural feeling. Yeah, that's true. It does feel a little bit more yeah. user friendly. But like for me, it's not the case. <laughs> yeah. So I would say if you play on Japanese stick, go with the the the, the four way the square. I've seen a lot of people get arcade sticks and they're like, well, I'm not really feeling it. Like, it's my first arcade stick. Maybe I should change to eight way or something like, no, just you got to you got to train up a bit. You got to, well, you know, do some deep dragon punches times well, a million, all, you know, <laughs> we all know the best, though. I mean, I, I'm surprised it wasn't brought up before. The best is the di- the diamond where you flip the, the square the wrong way. And so you don't have diagonals. You just have up, down, left, right. That's. That's the way that to go. Weird. <laughs> That's weird. That's too some, weird for me. I remember some guy uh, in my local scene where playing fighting games. He was setting up his arcade stick and he didn't realize he had his gate rotated the wrong way. And he, so he had like up, down, left, right, and he couldn't have any diagonal inputs. It was funny. I'm kidding, of course. The, the, di- the diamond is not the way to go unless you're playing Pac-Man or something. I've never heard of people using the diamond, but that's <laughs> I think, interesting. <laughs> I think it's like required for it used to be required for like Donkey Kong or something. You weren't allowed to have that. Oh, there's some Donkey Kong player out there that either I'm going to make them happy because I'm right or they're going to murder me because I'm wrong. But I thought it was something like in Donkey Kong, you you were banned from using diagonal inputs because you could use them to yeah. manipulate things that you're not allowed to manipulate or something. I think that's just a four way stick games originally. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Like some arcade games are ghouls and ghosts. Isn't the urban four legend way. that the birth of the the square gate was they just took those four way stick games and they just rotated it sideways and there you go, <laughs> there's your uh, square gate. I have no idea. <laughs> I heard that before. And that, as for as for the buttons, we didn't really talk about the buttons, but Saimitsu tend to be uh, yeah slightly harder to press, so you're not going to get accidental presses presses as often. And Sanwa are like the very sensitive. I'm not sure about Korean. I'm gonna probably agree with Aquas here. I like Sanwa buttons a lot more than Saimitsu buttons. Like I'm a much bigger fan of the Sanwas, so I always play with Sanwa buttons. Yeah, I don't mind sensitive sensitive uh sensitive buttons, but I can definitely see why having a slightly more of a um tension to the button might be beneficial for someone who's Well the problem kind that of I Bob Butterfingers. Into, <laughs> the problem I ran into with that is so I bomb with my thumb button with my thumb thumb my thumb I don't bomb <laughs> well I guess my thumb it's my thumb button wait a minute here hold on my thumb yeah. is on the button so it's a thumb button I bomb with that I don't bomb with my ring finger that'd be and button so, four yes so instead of so instead of um hitting with my ring finger I hit with my thumb the problem with that with the Saimitsu buttons that I ran into is you would kind of get this sort of half press and it wouldn't register so you just eat the bullet in the face because the butt the yeah. The bomb didn't register. So that's why I like the more sensitive ones, because even if you kind of miss it a little bit, it'll still go off. Well, and, uh, yeah, that, the, that's the like twitch. a thing. Like everyone's like, I bombed. Damn <laughs> yes. it. I no, you that. didn't. Like, listen no, you didn't. Me, <laughs> listen to me stream for about. Oh, I say it all the time. If I stream, you're going to hear me say it like eight times. Every time I die, I'm probably going to say, <laughs> I bombed. It's the input lag, the, 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 the stick. <laughs> My favorite guy in a. Like our community, yeah. yeah. We call him the we call him the John Bomb because his name was John. We'd always complain about not bombing in time. <laughs> yeah. Well, Shout I think to too, if you're a Toho player, that's a little bit of a rude awakening because Toho Toho gives you a little extra window to bomb there. Dude, the like, death bomb. Yeah, that's such yeah. a cool mechanic. Yeah, but then where it allows you, you to bomb. That, so that allows you to bomb after you've been hit. Yes, you get a little window there. Genius. 
<laughs> it's like a little hit confirm, like in a fighting game. Bam! Bomb. So, but once you uh, learn that, then you try to play a cave game, you're in for some uh, rough times because you're going to go for it and you're going to die every time. Apparently we lost our Timio again. Uh, that's not good. Oh, no. So we better uh, get to speedrunning and uh, your expertise on it. So what do you think about the mister in terms of speedrunning? How would you compare it to software emulation like um, RetroArch or whatever people use, SNES 9X or whatever they use for software well, I mean, speedrunning? Yeah, I mean, emulators are pretty much fine and all. I mean, if it feels good to you, you're pretty much good to go. Um, and there are actually people that have ran on actual hardware and then have ran on uh, like leggy or like uh, TVs and such and they can deal with it. You know, uh, it's just kind of like where you want to start out and what's important to you. But uh, once you start getting to like more of the technical tricks, but uh, like these uh, tricks that require you to do like a button input on one frame and then a button input on another frame and then like a release of a button on another frame, like that's something that's going to be harder to do if you have a delay because there's that kind of breathing room in between. Absolutely. And uh, that can be kind of a questionable ground and something that you probably need to practice more often. And then it'll also kind of like throw you off. Like it's just kind of, you know, as one would imagine, like if you'd want something to respond faster, like the faster you do it, like input lag is almost like being drunk or something like you have too much input lag yes. it's like you're not you're not going to be getting the correct judgment on your on your on your inputs unless you're planning ahead of time and ahead of time in that case is like 0.1 second and well, uh also, judging judging that from a human is difficult <laughs> well also too so. the problem with that is well there's two things that come up one is in some emulation setups the input lag is also not 100% consistent so let's say you learn the sort of weird off-kilter drunk timing of playing on like a laggy emulator. And some people have argued this like, oh, well, it doesn't matter. Input lag doesn't matter because you could just learn the off-kilter timing. Problem with that, though, is one, sometimes that input lag window isn't 100% consistent. So even if you learn that timing, one run, you'll hit it on that weird timing. The other run, there may be a little less lag, there may be a little more lag, and you miss the window. Yeah, I mean, it's all about consistency, right? So the less input lag you have, the more consistent you're probably going to be. Yeah, exactly. The other issue is some games, there is no 100% anticipating everything that's going to happen. Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, for example. um, You're going to have to react at some point to something. And so having that, the more input lag you have, the smaller your window for reaction becomes. So, yeah, that's when it becomes real nasty to try and react to things when you're basically playing with uh, weights on your legs and you can't uh, get things off in time. Yeah, I mean, it kind of depends on the game. And then, I mean, there's kind of a threshold for what input lag is acceptable. And for me, like, that's four frames. Like, four frames out of 60. It's kind of like the acceptable. And then anything beyond that is like, eh. Some people will find that to be surprisingly high, right? I I'm not far <laughs> off. I... I will play four frames if I must, if it's like you have no choice. I'm sure uh, Muchi Muchi Pork comes to mind for Aquas. <laughs> if you got no choice, you'll do it. But Like to anything, me, that's a three-frame game. <laughs> yeah, but anything beyond four, I won't play personally. I'm a, much more of a stickler with input lag than a lot of people. Yeah, like um, we have like these numbers like three like, like three and four and, and whatnot, but like it, it ultimately comes down to 
uh, your feel of the game. Yeah. So um, I, I'm always really happy if I can get a two framer. That's really nice. I think three is what you run into a lot on like really good console ports. You usually end up with about mm-hmm. three. Um, and how some are you... PC ports you can get real low. Uh, if you play RetroArch and you play with some run ahead, you can get one frame out of that thing, and it's impressive. And how are you uh, counting those, including display lag? I try to play on CRTs with because mm-hmm. uh, I think it's always a little bit tricky to. 100% know your display lag like you can look it up and like I've approximated it at times but I've always felt like if you can get it onto a CRT that's the way to go because then you're you're yeah. hitting it at the fastest possible you're not going to get any faster than a CRT mm-hmm. so that it's just and it's also very baseline like we all know okay it's a CRT it's just very consistent but the thing about input lags uh input lag tests is my methods are a little bit behind the times because when I started doing them the, the kind of gold standard that I was seeing was you get an input, you wire a light to it, and then you get like a high-speed camera, and you can get a really, really good idea for how much the lag is that way, where you press the input, the light shows up, so when the light shines, you're like, okay, that's frame zero. That's when the input was activated, and then you can count after that by frame, okay, it takes two frames for him to jump, takes two frames for the ship to move left or right, that type of thing. But now I'm seeing people that are doing all kinds of crazy stuff where they're like putting things on top of their TVs and it's measuring. There's like a much more scientific method of input lag reading that gets real, real, real detailed. That's I'm out of the loop on that, but that's impressive. <laughs> what you're doing is is scientific, uh, yes. but you're counting everything, right? You're counting the the lag from the encoder if you're using one on yes, the, on the, the stick. Yes, the whole system, yeah. Mm-hmm. You're, you're counting the emulation or the PCB or the the mystery, everything, right? Everything. And also the game, because some people don't think about this, but the game has to have a cycle where it yeah. pulls the input, checks it, renders the output, and displays it. And it's usually the other way around. It and displays the games. results of the games, of, of the previous frame input, right? Mm-hmm. and then uh, calculates and takes the input for the next frame. Could be that way, or it could be I take the input for this frame, calculate everything, render, and the next frame will be with the user input in mind. It really is game-dependent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah that, Some games are notoriously laggy in themselves, even if you had the best TV, the best arcade stick, the best everything. The game itself is just going to be a laggy boy, like Gregas kind of like that. Um, yeah, and then rise, other games, the other games. games are just like that. They just spit the, they spit out the inputs super fast. Mm-hmm. So um, it it really does, yeah, depend on the game and your overall setup. That is the biggest issue I think with my method is you. What I try to do is because I'm a big arcade stick fanatic, so I try to find the most responsive arcade stick for that system. The most, you know, so for PS4, I try to use the Brooks boards, and that's hard to test too. But yeah, if you could get like they're doing now where you eliminate the input device itself and you eliminate the display itself mm-hmm. and you just measure the the game that's that's impressive or whatever they're doing <laughs> yeah they they measure everything you you can measure the device right the encoder and the usb input or even snack in in mystery uh and you can measure what the game does you can measure what the system does and you can measure what the display does and add it up right yeah that's cool so uh, now that we're talking about uh, this this lag and display lag, and you use a CRT, what do you use, Aquas? 
Um, I, I through my mister. Uh, well, I use a uh, um a C- two CRT uh, TVs, one a PC monitor and one uh, a, a Sony Trantron uh, tube TV. Awesome. So tube TV is through VGA through component through the mister, and then I sp- actually split that signal also to my PC CRT. So I take the VGA signal. Split the VGA signal. I split, I split that as well to my uh, PC CRT monitor, which I've I've now made a dedicated uh, vertical setup for my personal setup, which has kind of worked for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's yeah, component through the Mister is is awesome. It's the best. It's the best way to use it, in my opinion. Yeah, it's really practical how you have HDMI and also the the analog out at the same time. Do you guys end up using that for streams in some way? Oh, for yeah, for me, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. That's like a lifesaver, right? Because you have to do a mm-hmm. bunch of stuff. It's so convenient. It's it's perfect. It's just, it's honestly awesome. Yeah, it simplifies things a lot. Uh, people might not imagine what you need to do to to stream a PCB or or a game console sometimes. Because obviously, using capture hardware or using the monitor in the capture uh, uh, software is is ad slack, no? So it's even worse in that sense. It depends on how you're doing it. I made mm-hmm. this whole video. It's not all that popular because people don't really care about this too much. But uh, yeah, I made a whole video about this. How do you capture? For me, it was my PGM with, mm. you know, well, while playing it, how do you capture it? And uh, yeah, there's a, there's actually a lot of different ways you can kind of go about it. The way that I do it is I run my PGM into my OSSC. Mm-hmm. I run my OSSC into my capture card. My capture card has a pass through. So mm-hmm. then it'll pass through and capture. So there's the capture. And then from the pass through, what I do, this is kind of ridiculous, but I plug it into this adapter that I found that doesn't have any lag. It, it takes HDMI and converts it to VGA. I think RetroRGB actually covered this thing too. Mm-hmm. And so you don't get any extra lag there. So then it becomes VGA. The VGA goes into my Extron Emotia. And then my Extron Emotia spits it out as S-Video into my giant Sony Trinitron. So it, there's a lot of steps in between there. Or if you want, you can uh, just do to an HDMI monitor. Like a, I have a really nice Asus G-Sync monitor. I really like that as well. So I kind of go back and forth. I sometimes play on my G-Sync monitor. Sometimes I play on my CRT. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's uh, uh, just a, a rat's nest of cables, right? When oh my gosh, yeah, I'm gonna burn alive in one of these uh, mid recording, <laughs> mid stream. You'll see me burn alive one of these days. And and you have to <laughs> tape everything to the floor if possible, so that you don't just like move yes. one single cable, right? Yeah, yeah, I did tape things to the floor. How mm-hmm. you know? yeah, oh, because I do similar, the same thing. We must say, uh, yeah, we must have a similar <laughs> setup going on here. Yeah, of course I do. For I, I do some shows for, like, I stream direct PCVs, uh, all the soundtracks from Soundtest and that kind of thing. So it's I, I don't play. I suck at playing, but, uh, but I love the things. So I kind of know how Mr. Simplifies the setup so yes. so Man, much absolutely component through the mister is so good like it, it, it's the best way because like then you're playing the games well especially through my crt tv you're playing them like a, they were pretty much like intended originally i mean the big tv um that's that's the best part i love it so good yeah, so playing like uh dynasty, dynasty wars and ghouls and ghosts on this big crt tv like uh it's almost pretty much identical to the arcade experience especially when you got the arcade stick you just don't have like people running around and like people smoking in the background. Yeah, <laughs> and you also so good to get the authentic arcade experience. You need to like 
uh, one day break your stick and just have to play on a broken stick for a day and then uh, <laughs> file a complaint and then come back three months later and see if someone's fixed your stick for you. Sonwas are too good for that. That's the, that's the authentic <laughs> arcade experience there. <laughs> and some buttons that are not right. Yeah. Uh, speaking yeah. about buttons, uh, do you have any preference? Uh, Sanwas for me. Yeah, Sanwas here too. You? We we talked about it a little bit. Oh yeah, um, sorry, I, I didn't away, hear but, that uh, part. I will but, add yeah, in that I do Sanwa. like the uh, the noise dampening. You can get mm. noise dampened Sanwas. I used that used to matter more because I didn't. I used to actually play inside at one point in my life, and so I tried to keep it a little bit quieter. Now I'm out in a shed; it, it doesn't matter. But I still have them <laughs> in there, and so yeah, they they feel nice. They're probably a little less sensitive than if you have the non noise dampening ones, but. If you live in an apartment and your roommates or family are getting annoyed by your constant smacking of your stick, you can uh, yeah. install those. I haven't had much issue with that, but it is a thing. Like Some people definitely hit the buttons harder than others, and uh, there's nothing wrong with that at all. I remember one time I was at a Fever or, uh, Fever or Four Casuals in like my local scene, and I was just doing a ma- I was just in a match, and I was just like hitting my buttons so hard, and this guy is just like... You're hitting your buttons too hard, and like, <laughs> no man, just fucking no. But like you, like that's, that's the that's the thing strategy. with arcades is is you're able. I mean, that's that's all up to you how hard you want to hit. I mean, it's your it's your arcade stick. Who gives a shit? That was like the weirdest comment I ever got from someone. My favorite is uh, and that's like a strategy too in fighting games, like hitting the buttons like harder, like not as hard. Mm-hmm. I hit I hit them hard, and I I've had people hit them more hard than me. This one T Hawk player I went into like he'd like do like the ultra with T Hawk and then like in between the ultra he'd be he'd be like tapping the buttons like <laughs> super hard like in the rhythmic of like the T Hawk animation. <laughs> well, you know a classic like, awesome. a classic strategy. Uh, this is an arcade strategy for you. It's it's called dead button where you have a button and it doesn't do oh, anything, yeah. and mm-hmm. so they're sitting next to you. And let's say it's throw like, them off. yeah, it's like, let's say you're playing Street Fighter or something and you want to trick them into thinking you're throwing a fireball. You just, you do the hand motion, <laughs> then you hit the dead button and then they jump and then you uppercut them. You're like, aha, oh, man. that's, that's kind of next That's level, a real tactic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I, that sounds I so dirty. While, and, and... <laughs> yeah, I remember a while back, back in the Street Fighter 4 days, there was some controversy where the Japanese players felt it was disrespectful for the American players to be doing this, to have dead buttons and everything. Uh, so, because uh, also because Japanese players they play head to head, they don't play side by mm-hmm. side, and and so if you're playing in the U.S., you ha- there's this sort of meta strategy. It's a little dirty, but sometimes it happens where you can see their hands out of the corner of your eyes. So yeah. You can see, okay, they're they're winding up for a fireball. They're winding up for a super, and you can kind of um, react to not only what's happening on screen, but their actual hand motions. And so the way to combat that is to have dead buttons or to fake like you're doing an input <laughs> and things like that. And I remember yeah. that was throwing some Japanese. I think Tokido was one of them. That they were getting mad at this sort of a sort of stuff. It's a, it's a big difference. I mean, for me, it's just like that arcade mentality. Like anything for me, it's like anything goes in, in an arcade as far as uh, the strategies and whatnot. So uh, and like you know, uh, as far as like background noise and like hecklers, and, and when you see like hecklers and like some of these uh, Super oh Four tournaments from back in the day. And Some like of them I was are at a, a little man. much. I'll say that. Some of them are a little I mean, much. yeah, but like that's like that's the arcade like experience. Like you can't control people around you when you're in the game. 
So you just have to deal with that. And, like, that was definitely a theme that was prevalent, like, throughout a lot of these uh, tournaments that were going on with people side by side and, like, having, like, their homies behind them just cheering them on and trying to, like, screw up the other guy. Like, you'll see that in, like, some of the Evo videos. They'll have, like, their, they'll have, like, their team, like, trying to, like, heckle the other guy and distract them. But, like, that's all, it all goes, the the onus is still on the player, in my opinion. You know, it should be, it should be all on you as whether how you, how you deal with that background noise. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting because I've dealt with this in person a lot of times where I usually would show up, you know, as not the fan favorite because I just would travel by myself or with, like, one friend and, you know, you're going on their turf type of thing. And... Um, sometimes what's funny is sometimes it will work against the person getting cheered for, especially if you start taunting them and stuff and the friends are like, no, no. And you, you know, you like, you start taunting them and they're, and they actually get in their own friend's head because they're freaking out or, uh, I actually kind of enjoy that a little bit when uh, people are cheering against you and then you start beating them and they get salty and tilted. Yeah. I've always kind just, of enjoyed that yeah. a bit. Yeah. I love that, uh, wild west feel of this arcades and just people surrounding it. Like. Anything goes, and, like, I'm totally for that. And, uh, I don't know, maybe that's being lost in this, poli- uh, you know, politically correct climate these days, but I, I love well, I, uh, I, I love a good dirty arcade experience, is all I'm saying. <laughs> well, uh, for me, I'm, I always kind of strike a middle balance because sometimes it's like, like, everything I've done, it's all in good fun. Like, every tournament I've gone to, I've never been that afraid of anyone. But there were times in the arcade past where people were like legit criminals and there are stories of like people getting beat up in the parking lot afterward or whatever. And I'm like, okay, that's okay. That's way beyond yeah. gaming. I think the point. famous stories are like uh, when Super Detroit <laughs> was out, like how, how good throws were. So if, if someone throwed too much, they'd get like, uh, <laughs> like bullied basically after the game yeah. because throws did like third of third damage. But, yeah. like, come on, that's just the game. Like, come on. Blame Capcom, I guess? I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, talking about uh, the, the different experience, uh, well, we were talking just now about the different experience about the environment and uh, what, what we'd, we would have loved to have, like, the shoot 'em ups uh, scene here, right? Uh, Absolutely. Because we, we lived, I'm guessing, from your ages and mine, the fighting uh, era in the arcades, right? Uh, but that difference also could be felt in some way regarding changing it to a home experience and in a home experience when you're talking about differences in, in preference, right? Is, is Mr. offering you something that you feel different from software emulation in general? So I think overall the Mr. is a huge upgrade over almost all the other software emulators that I've used. I have a, a soft spot for RetroArch specifically because mm-hmm. it has certain features that reduce input lag. And that was always my problem with software emulation. For example, uh, Aquas brought up the Virtual Console. Mm-hmm. And I remember I got Super Metroid on the Wii Virtual Console and I tried to speed run it. And there's certain sections in Super Metroid that are very precise. For example, there's this part, I, I can't remember the exact term for it. it's like the moat jump where you have you have to mm-hmm. run across and you don't have any items all that much and you have to do this jump over this body of water and then there's this tiny little pillar out in the middle of the screen and you have to not only you not land on the tiny instead you have to overshoot it and wall jump off the back of it and it's an, an 
it's an absurd input, even on real hardware. It is a ridiculous input. And like the first time you try it, it'll probably take you an hour to hit the input. It is ridiculous. But it's even worse on Virtual Console because the lag, it's so hard to time that initial jump and then that second jump. I, I, that's why for a long time I was like, I have to play this on original hardware. It's not even like me trying to be elitist. But then RetroArch came out and you could, you could pull that off on RetroArch. But the cool thing about the Mister is that certain input lag reduction is actually banned in a lot of speedrunning. So, for for example, in Super Metroid, they don't allow you to use Run Ahead. They ban it. Mm-hmm. So you have a little bit yeah. extra lag over hardware, at least in my experience. So that's why the Mister is such a great compromise where now you can record in a high quality. You don't have to get all the RGB cables and OSSEs and everything. But you're still able to have that input lag. And also, like Aqua said, you can play on Arcade Stick. And I actually play Super Metroid on Arcade Stick. So um, I used to have to do this special setup where I took a Super Nintendo controller and then I wired it to what's called an undamned USB converter. Mm-hmm. And then that's how I used to connect Arcade Stick to Super Nintendo back in the day. But now just being able to plug it directly into the Mister is so much nicer. Yeah, especially since they came out with the uh, overclocked USB polling. Um, yeah, that sure. that made a difference, no doubt about it. Um, it was decent already with like low latency setting, because you can have uh, in the master you can have like the low latency setting, or you can have uh, low latency or uh, I think it's at zero yes. instead of one. Um, but like low latency is supported by most things and on the master except for GBA. I, I have some issues capturing that with it. Um, but yeah, if you, if you, once you, uh, combine the overclocked USB polling, which the Mr. Now does just all, just pretty much naturally, as well with the, uh, the other, the other bit, like, it's, uh, it, it, it's really good. It's, it's pretty much there. Like, it's so close to a console. It's really hard to measure. And, yeah. uh, you can, you know, I, cause I recently, uh, got the Rafnet, uh, SNES USB converter, and that one has, uh, like, a setting to, like, set the, clocking to like one millisecond instead of like four or something and yeah that i'm really pleased with that converter but like i think any any, pretty much anything you use like there's a there's that spreadsheet that uh Mm -hmm. express made Mm -hmm. yeah like that that spreadsheet's cool to look at because they do show you like the latency between the different devices and i saw that my like some of the hori sticks were in kind of in the middle ground there but like I'm very satisfied. Like it's still better than any emulation as far as input lag goes. It's just the way to go. It's, also, it's great. You also can throw a Brooks board in your Hori. So if you want to upgrade mm-hmm. your uh, the controls inside your actual arcade stick, you can modify that. And throw a Brooks board in there. Those are, from what I understand in my testing, very responsive mm-hmm. across all kinds of different things on the PS4, on the Switch, on the PS3, on the 360, on the PC. The thing is a beast. So mm-hmm. I always recommend yeah. that. I guess I was going to say, uh, uh, yeah, versus like HDMI versus CRT to the Mister. Like, yeah, like ideally you want to go to this, you want to go to the, like a CRT and then you also want to have that, that overclocked USB polling and then like you're good to go. But like, I can notice the difference playing in HDMI a little bit. Yeah. Um, just a little bit, you know, it doesn't really make that much of a difference. I've done plenty of playthroughs, um, on through HDMI. It and basically fine, adds yeah. the, the display lag or the capture lag, right? On top you of what you already have. Yeah, exactly. Not much. But I, I have some good HDMI monitors personally, so it's like not that bad. But if you get if you're trying to play on some 
random thing you got at Walmart or whatever. Yeah, uh, oh yeah, I don't, I don't recommend it. An uncalibrated <laughs> and un- unidentified lag device. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I bet it. But I bet if that USB overclock, USB overclock, it'll still probably be decent. <laughs> you. That, that you, was a that was a pretty big deal because that came out like uh at like uh sometime after the Mister had been out for a while. So yeah. You mentioned RetroArch and the frame ahead. What is it? Why is it banned? I had an argument with them in their Discord for like a day, and they would not budge. I do not know why they banned it. They I have ideas, think, but okay. they seem to think that it gives you an advantage over yeah. the original hardware. Yeah. And my experience is like not in my experience, but maybe maybe if you do it just right, you know, and you're playing on just the right setup with maybe like an overclocked US <coughs> USB or something. Maybe you could get a little less lag than original hardware. So that's why they say they banned it. They said it's just too good. It's just too hot. It's, too it's hot because I I, th- I think, uh, and I'm just uh, speculating here, but we mentioned that different games have different routines to check the input and display the output, right? And uh, for for those in the audience that don't understand how this works, I'm no expert, but it, it basically uh, runs the emulator in several uh, instances, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, picks up the correct future, let's say, right from yes. what you from what you input your input was. Thing is that you could get two good results because yeah. <laughs> because if you do that, you have the the issue of uh, if if a game gives it takes like two frames to detect your input, like you said with Garaga, for example, and you are doing the run ahead then you probably can hit that marking emulation faster if you are not doing all the all the video and everything, right? In one of those uh, oh, multiple yeah, with certain, universes. With certain mm-hmm. games, it's absolutely, you can do that. Greg is one of them. You can uh, run much faster than the actual hardware. With the Super Nintendo, It's the Super Nintendo is a pretty responsive system itself. So, I mean, yeah, I, I could see it's a slight difference and maybe that's the problem. I always thought it's an interesting sort of philosophical conversation though, that are we bound to the original hardware forever? Is the original hardware, the gold standard forever? Or as we go through into the future, when we start getting, let's say they release and well, Nintendo won't ever do this cause they're not cool enough, but let's say they released super Metroid and it had a, like a port on a really good system and it was actually faster than the original hardware then could you use RetroArch? It, it just gets interesting to think about because as we move into the future, with like the Mister, for example, maybe the Mister could be faster than the original hardware. Is the Mister banned now? It, it just gets interesting that I don't, I personally don't think the original hardware should forever be the 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 point of no return. Um, if as long as we start getting stuff like RetroArch or the Mister, that's fairly accessible. But that's me. Uh, I'm a little I understand less, your uh, point. Hardware purist. I understand your points. Uh, I'm going to comment on them. and uh, But first, I'll let Aquas comment on them after I mention what uh, the chat has said. Uh, RetroPress said that Run Ahead was banned because SFC Hegane could, can accidentally be played one frame too fast. And uh, Katrinix mentions that Run Ahead works in a way that frame rates and things can make it more responsive because of the hackiness it does with the input. And uh, Gilliaxian says that run ahead is a strange subject because uh, I try to get into make sure input lag is reduced, but you're also pulling out from the accuracy that this bites into the subject that you were talking about that I'd like to comment further. But what do you think, Aquas? 
Uh, well, I just got back from the bathroom. <laughs> oh, no problem. We're talking about <laughs> run ahead on. and how that uh, might affect accuracy. And uh, uh, Mark made the point that he doesn't think that original hardware should be the bar against against we measure in the future. Uh, I think original hardware is always the the, the de facto standard. Um, if you can be if you can get faster than that, like I can definitely support. Um, specifically like speedrunning communities like banning it um, but if you can actually use run ahead to get to uh, original hardware latency that's definitely good well there's, there's some interesting uh, sub points here that I think is more shmup specific because mm -hmm. the, the thing about like Nintendo games and Super Nintendo games is that they sold millions of copies and they're pretty widely available but there's certain games that this becomes actually a really interesting conversation like Mushihima-sama Futari, mm -hmm. where the port of Futari on the Xbox 360 actually has a mode that reduces the input lag. Mm -hmm. It, it mm -hmm. removes VSync, basically, to make the game extremely responsive, even for a 360 game. And then on top of that, the the slowdown of the Futari port on 360 is a little slight, slightly bit different than the arcade PCB. Um, there's certain sections that have more slowdown than they're supposed to, basically. Mm -hmm. It's still pretty accurate, but there's just these slight variations. And my argument has been, you know, the PCB of Futari is actually very uncommon and extremely expensive. And most players actually play on the port. And the port also has this ability with, with some methods to remove the counter stop now. And so there's a lot of things that the port does that the original hardware just cannot do. And yet more people are playing on the port. So then I start to say, well, at what point is the port the the go-to rather than the original hardware? I mean, if everyone's playing on the port, if the original hardware is hard to get, if most people are setting record scores on the port, does that now make the port the gold standard? And I feel like this is coming up with the M2 stuff too, like Grega. This is coming up with Grega. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Mogler here soon gets the world record of Ketsui on the PS4 port. SPS and all these other players are playing on the PS4 port. And these ports have gadgets. They have slight mm -hmm. variations over the original hardware. So it does become interesting at some point where we say, okay, the port is the way to go now. Like that's the standard rather than the, uh, the original release. I, I fully understand what you're saying and where you're coming from. I believe that categories should be enforced. And not necessarily the PCB would be the gold standard category. I, I agree on that. But uh, I believe that we can measure the original hardware right now and try to replicate it as, as closely as possible in order for it to make it democratically accessible, like with the Mister. right? That would be, that would probably be a game changer in, in some instances if you can measure and compare how well behaved uh, against the original hardware it is. Well, when, when possible, of course. The interesting part about PS uh, PCB versus like recent ports mm -hmm. is, um, again, some it would divide certain eras of players mm -hmm, from each mm -hmm. other just forever because, like Mogler, I maybe he'll get a PCB one day and re get his world record on a PCB. But if, let's say he get you know the PS4 port of Ketsui is extremely accurate. I mean, it's mm -hmm, very mm -hmm. very close. And so if you split them away from each other, then. It, he wouldn't quite the world record wouldn't be quite as meaningful as if you put it alongside the original PCB world record. And so, again, this happens in speedrunning, right, where different world records are achieved on different platforms. And sometimes they're split. Sometimes they're not split. It just depends on how mm -hmm. the community does it. 
And so, I, I, score splitting is interesting. I'm probably way too nerdy of a topic for this. Uh, for no, this podcast. I, I think it's it's important because uh, obviously mystery is is um, part of a puzzle here. I, I I work with different communities and trying to get this right everywhere. And uh, what I've loved about uh, working with with mystery is that whenever I I'm able to measure something to the best of my ability and it differs from a real hardware, they are interested in in fixing that and going for accuracy, right? And I believe that if the community that has or owns PCVs and wants them to be preserved in the most accurate way should go this way. For instance, there's this topic that we have in the list uh, talking about audio sync, right? Because I'm guessing, I'm not certain, that you sometimes go for by audio cues and it's important how on-frame audio is and it might never be in a subject to, to you or it probably has. Has it been a subject to you how on-sync audio and video are? For me, absolutely. Because there's certain audio cues in Donampachi that requires you to, um, you have to know the soundtrack and there's like a certain time in the soundtrack where before a pattern appears or before something happens or if you time your chain to certain audio cues. Oh yeah, audio cues are huge. Especially if yeah. you're in a chaining game. And uh, in, in emulation, that could be a big issue because you have more stuff, not because it, it can't be achieved, because you have like probably somebody in their home is playing their PS4 part of Kitsui under under HDTV and the HDTV is one frame of lag and then the home TS3 is zero frames of, la of lag or maybe it is four, who knows? Yeah. Are they on sync? I never uh, even thought about that. And that's Hold a big issue. On the 240TB test suite, uh, you have a, a pattern that allows you to check if the audio and video are on sync if you capture it, right? And uh, I think that we need more of that in, in arcade PCVs and everywhere to achieve that same equality level where you can go to the powers that be on each, on each leatherboard and, and say, okay, how can we certify this to be a valid platform to be as valid as the arcade PCV, right? Which, which measures should we uh, adhere to? Like precision in, in, in sync between them, precision in frame rate, because also frame rate is an issue, right? If you're playing, um, just say, uh, uh, Super Nintendo, okay? And you're playing at 60 instead of the 60.1 whatever, should that be a, a, an issue or shouldn't it? And arcade PCVs that sometimes go down as low as 55, if you are changing the frame rate to 60, does that change your experience? Does that change the validity of the record? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it does to some extent. Uh, I think that the most important thing is just like acknowledging that these changes are there. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, then you're able to, um, you know, compare with the correct knowledge. Like, is this, you know, pretty much the same thing? Or is it like, did it actually make it that much harder or or less or just it just all depends on how drastic that difference is like a kai katana um the mm -hmm. pcb for that game the ca a cave cave one of the later cave shmups like that pcb has way more slowdown than the 360 port mm -hmm. and uh it drastically changes it because the patterns in kai katana are, are like batshit insane so like the pcb is like it's easier to dodge all that stuff and that's that's kind of like been a theme through a lot of these ports as the slowdown is yeah kind of like more heavy in certain certain sections or or less and you know if it's less then it's probably going to be a harder experience and then you have to judge it 
then based off that harder experience, like, oh, okay, well, this might be a little bit tiny, a little less score, but they did it without the extra slowdown. So this is probably like more impressive. <laughs> and it's also the issue of moving the flag. Uh, what I'm saying is, let's say that you make the, the Xbox 360 port the de facto standard for Futari, okay? And uh, then you have the retro compatibility, I'm quote, air quoting here, because we all know that's a different executable. How do we measure if the Xbox One executable of that retro compatible game, if it even is, I don't, I don't know, uh, works the not. same way? It is not. Okay. But when and if it happens, how do we measure that? And then when all Xbox 360s are as rare as an arcade PCV, that that will happen sometime eventually, how can we measure if that's accurate? No kidding. That's the, the million dollar question. Also, you can now play Futari on your PC through Xenia, and Xenia mm -hmm. seems to be pretty... Now, oh, okay, I'm not sure how accurate it is, but from what I've tested, it seems fairly accurate. It, it, it isn't like, you know, like uh, Aquas is saying with some of the ports where it's just missing slowdown and all that sort of stuff. Xenia does a pretty good job of uh, making it feel pretty consistent to playing on the 360. So wouldn't that be interesting? The, the standard moves from the PCB to the 360 port to emulating the 360 port which i think could be possible yeah xenia yeah. is is nice seriously everyone's got to check that out if they want to check out some of those xbox 360 shmups it's it's good it's up there yes it's it's very good and when they start adding save states ooh, that's gonna be hot that's gonna be real good but what so, i think is if we can document the pcv properly on what what the timings were and we can have like for example uh an fpga implementation open source that could be future ported to any other FPGAs or devices that's hardware documentation, then that's easier to maintain than an Xbox 360 emulator. Yeah, I mean, we're seeing that already with uh, a lot of the arcade cores in the Mister. Yeah. yeah. I'd love to see it in uh, maybe a decade from now, uh, those 360 games and that era of shmups uh, getting an FPGA in the next generation I'm, here's, or whatever it's going to be. An, <laughs> here's a really interesting wrench in that equation that... Uh, might be a little bit of, of an issue for shmup players specifically, mm -hmm. which is now, personally speaking, I agree with you 100%. If we could get all these games on the Mister and convince everyone to play on the Mister, that is a win. That is great. The issue is, is that the Japanese players will not do that and their events do not allow any sort of emulation. And I tried this. They will force you to play the ports. Even if you have a, if you can play it on RetroArch or play it on the Mister, you will have to play it on a crappy port if the port's bad over playing it on something like that. That's a huge, that's a huge tough one. So that is one of the advantages of the 360 ports like Futari, where even, you know, the Japanese events would allow you to play that, where they that's would not good. allow you to play the Mister version, which I don't agree with, but they're no. very, very strict about like what I'm saying is that emulation. it's best to have options and not close those options for the future because it's they're, they're going to hit a brick wall when that Xbox 360 port won't run. We all know that yes, 360s yes, are absolutely. not reliable. How many have died on you? Maybe, maybe the silver lining is that time and technology will force the Japanese players to play a <laughs> mister. Like they'll have no choice because yeah, no, the 360s will die. And then or measurement. Uh, yeah. Published measurements and public measurements. I've, uh, I'm not saying that I, I, I want to do this all or that I'm capable of doing this all, but I believe that everyone that has a PCV and it has like an oscilloscope and, or has logic analyzer or whatever and can measure and compare their PCVs to the Mr. Output 
in in any term timings and uh, scan rates whatever they can contribute to that will help and document that Absolutely. publicly because usually this this kind of things are are just discussed privately and never published if we publish those results and say okay this is the measurement this is how the pcb behaves this is the crt signal of the pcb and how it it fills the monitor and this is how the mr signal does it it's different yes fix it is it the same then that's fine same with audio same with sync everything of that 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 should be public and documented so that the general public has a, a an archive right to another another thing is you could get it so accurate that they could never tell the difference and so mm. you could be like yeah i got the pcb i'm playing on pcb sure yeah i totally have it <laughs> and they they can't tell the vid the the emulation or the hardware simulation is so accurate there's no red flags. There's no red herrings giving you away that you're actually not playing on the PCB. Well, there's also like the aspect of original hardware actually varying because yeah. the capacitor is fading away and stuff. I, as I understand, that's uh, that can be a thing too. That yeah. can be a thing, yes. So. Uh, we've, we've worked on that. <laughs> so it almost makes it less reliable than the mister at that point. Uh, sometimes it could be. But if you have a big enough uh, sample of, of PCBs, or in this case... Let's just say Super Nintendo. Super Nintendo, every single Super Nintendo you've tested, tried, sounds different. And you probably don't mind that because the difference is so minute, so small. But it is there, okay? And emulation in general has uh, taken the approach of just using a specific sample rate for the audio. And it's off pitch in every Super real Super Nintendo that you use. And if you use a, a Toslink mode, then you're listening uh, a slower signal in some in some cases or maybe at the same rate it, it varies yes you're right but we are at the time that we can measure it and compare it between different sources in 20 years we won't have that yeah i know i think people need to look further ahead here as far as you know people who tisk tisk the mister tisk tisk emulation i run into this all the time you know those oh no no original hardware only original hardware only uh, fast forward a few years. Oh, look what they're doing. They're playing on the mister. Oh, they're playing on a, a software emulation because there's just, uh, as time goes on, right, the scare, it becomes more scarce. Indeed. And also there's just so many features and so much accessibility and it's just the way to go. That's, that's what I talked about my, in my, uh, video about the mister is that this seems, this seems like the strongest way to go. This seems like the strongest way to preserve these arcade experiences but in a way that it can be replicated into the future. Yeah, I want to see the big companies eventually taking an FPGA. Like that's definitely you, you know they're going to do that it needs, too. Needs you to happen. know they're going to do it. I I, like if I don't it's a think so. From now, like whatever, like that'd be great. I don't think they they'll do it. Uh, no. But, but ten years from now, let's say let's say Capcom. You know the FPGA because I know FPGAs are pretty expensive. But let's say ten years from now, it gets cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. And Capcom want to do their 100th version of their arcade collections, and they need a new gimmick. <laughs> they need a new way to sell this. Or like, hey, we've sold it this way, we sold it that way, we've done this, we've done that. We need a new thing, <gasps> FPGA. And then they, you know, like with their arcade stick. Oh well, some of that um, open source software finds its way onto a Capcom port, and there yeah. you go. It it, it, it has happened. That is like maybe I have to acknowledge. 
Mamie's there already. Sorry, Aquas, what were you saying? Uh, well, like, you. if that happens, like, they have to acknowledge that, like, some of their ports in the past, like, may have been substandard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, like, even, they and they've been, been using MAME, right? The latest uh, arcade well, compilation yeah. from Capcom uses MAME and has incorrect audio Pretty because much. they couldn't license that part of the software. Well, wasn't the, uh, the stick, you know, that stick they sold, wasn't that mm -hmm. using Final Burn alpha and that was yeah. like a big splitting point on why we got final burn neo it had something to do with capcom right Wasn't that's that right the... yes okay that was the insider baseball on that <laughs> yeah but what I, what I believe is that streaming and game streaming services will overtake any of that physical stuff so i'm way more pessimistic than you in that sense but yes capcom could could just keep pushing things oh you you don't think we'll get a another pile of you know what mini consoles and stuff 10 years from now that fa that fad will be over i think so yeah i could see that actually <laughs> i could see that happening yeah i don't know uh, but uh, but it could go either way but if if it goes that way i see it like being a streaming platform that is just a small raspberry pi and the streams their stuff mm, i'm saying yeah. i'm cynic about that <laughs> i think sony tried yeah. that a little bit with the the ps Vita home one the what's that called the yeah PS Vita the TV PS Vita. The TV yeah the PS the PS TV the, that's actually kind of a cool little thing but I think that was kind of the you know, early example of what you're talking about yeah who knows what what will happen but uh, what I what I believe is that we have to tackle the problem from several ways and uh, there's there's this um, two sided uh, or three sided uh, discussion that we need to have open in the public like speedrunners can validate that things are different or the same at a way different level that somebody like me that measures can do and that some like a developer can do and right. we need to to just collaborate and get that publicly documented and uh and out there right i mean it's such a technical uh level of detail we're talking about here but like as far as like the general audience of like people enjoying the games, like if they can enjoy it with yeah. and like thinking there's nothing wrong with it, like that's great. I agree. But if, as soon as, as soon as like the general audience is like, well, there's something there is something wrong with this, like that's not good. No, no, of course not. <laughs> and my approach has always been like, I know that ninety-nine percent of the public won't mind if the Genesis matches the audio of an original model one. But the idea here is that even if they won't mind, they will listen to it in the proper way as a consequence of this work. I'm it's more, a matter of like setting that standard. I'm more of a snob. You know? uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go, yeah. Like, even if people accept like bad ports, they accept the Psycho collection on the Switch, which people mm. yell at me because I gave a bad review because it was laggy as hell. Even if they accept it, I'm more of a snob. I'm like, no, you just don't know what you're missing. Like, It's like once you play the better version you'll be like oh yeah i yeah it is you, better. you, you can't play psycho <laughs> games with without snappiness yeah, yeah. Bullets are no, so fast. It's brutal. that's I, just how I know. it is <laughs> psycho like, is i don't know people just have that nostalgia and stuff like they just from like what i've noticed is like with the switch is just the people buy, are buying these shmups and so they're just making more of them like <laughs> that's how it yeah. works right? you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're, they're almost they're getting treated this this is a whole i rant about this in a whole video they're getting treated like they're mobile games or something they're getting treated like oh yeah throw throw psycho games on a little collection they're laggy they're inaccurate but it's ten dollars and people can kind of just play them for 10 minutes and move on i'm like no no 
And what kind of <laughs> is a pet peeve of mine is people don't do this with other genres. They will lose their minds if they come out with an RPG and one line of text is incorrect. People will freak out and be like, no, they're, they're disrespecting the legacy of this RPG. But yet, uh, arcade people, we're expected to just be like, yeah, whatever crap you throw out there, we'll just accept it. But uh, I just think it's a little bit of a weird thing where other genres get much more respect in this regard. Like, they make sure they usually try to do a better job with other genres, making sure they're faithful to the original releases. They, they probably the are easier to make to deal with than the shadow maps, right? Yeah. Just to be fair, I'm not saying that I'm all right with them doing this. Well, I see these compilations as a way to get uh, licenses if you care about that stuff. That's that's the only value I see on those. Like, get uh, try out the stuff if you don't know it and buy a legal license of the games if you don't own them and just transplant that license into an elsewhere. It's that's such the only a, Yeah, it's such a catch-22. Yeah. Because let's say Psycho comes out you know, I, I dealt with this when I did my reviews for Nintendo Life. They make a, the Zero Div do a bad job on the port. I give it a negative review. People don't buy the port. The company says, oh, these games aren't worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Let's just stop making them. I've had this argument with people many times. But the flip side of that is they bring out a bad port. We all give them eights out of tens because, you know, everyone else does. So let's give it eight out of ten. And so then we send this message just do whatever and we'll all give you an eight out of 10 anyway. So it's like low expectations. So it's, you got it. My always thing is if you can try to strike that middle ground of maybe Mm -hmm. being a little bit lenient, but also critical on the technical side of things to try and get them to take a second look at that. Maybe that's a good compromise. Yeah. Thankfully we have M2. (laughs) Yes. M2, you can avoid all this. Just buy the M2 port and you're, you're good. Yeah. But M2 is not without scene either. The audio sometimes is not perfect, that kind of thing. But but lack-wise and in features, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. Um, I heard that they did kind of... I'm mostly familiar with their shot triggers projects because that's mm-hmm. what I pay attention to the most. But I heard that... Didn't they make the Sega Genesis Mini? And that yeah. was kind of meh. That was kind of like, come on, M2. Yeah, but it's uh, under commission. I'm not uh, saying that they are without fault, but it's not yeah. their passion project, right? It's like... A paid project, and I bet that it's hit and miss because they have a budget and they have a time, and mm. they aren't allowed to go as deep, or they aren't as passionate about it. Who knows? Yes. Yeah, that's that's something well, that could happen. I mostly heard positive things about the Genesis Mini and these mini consoles, so as long as it's mostly positive, I mean, and they're playable and not too bad with the input lag. I know it's like variable input lag, mm-hmm. I guess, with the Genesis Mini, but mm-hmm. like. Everyone I've seen if I'm playing those games, they don't really. It hasn't really been an issue. Like they're still fun. <laughs> yeah, they are still fun. That's but why I, I don't I, review I, them on my channel. <laughs> I'm a purist. I'd just as, be as, a bad guy. <laughs> just be, yeah, everyone would hate me. I'm I'm too harsh as well. Uh, but I understand they have a public and uh, and they work fine for for the general. Most people that buy these mini consoles is just for the nostalgia and uh, having some trophy in the shelf. I always think if you can push sort of a middle ground like the uh, the analog systems, I think they're over overpriced. Uh-huh. I think they're very expensive. But I like the Mister much more than those. But I mean, like for my brother, for example, I mm-hmm. the Mister mm-hmm. is just a little bit you know too involved for something like that. But instead of giving him like a mini, instead get him like an analog whatever it is Super NT, 
you're getting that you're getting that FPGA experience, but it's a little bit more accessible. I think that's kind of a nice compromise there. Yeah, agreed. Though agreed. it's a shame they For didn't sure. have the analog output built in. I that's why I didn't buy one. I was gonna buy one and then I heard yeah they had to like buy a separate thing for the analog. I was like, all right, never mind. <laughs> yeah, it's it's probably because most people won't use it, right? It's yeah, it's it's, it's so it's such a niche feature. But yeah, for us, just the, just the hardcore guys like us, I guess. Yeah, but it's it's interesting. I don't know if you've played way much with the analog out, but uh, it's very interesting. What I found uh, is that it's like an idealized version of RGB, where you have like centered, perfectly centered, and have to recenter everything or rebalance colors. I like that. Oh yeah, it's so it's so bright and vivid on the Mister. That's because I don't have an analog, but on the Mister. The VGA output is so vibrant and beautiful. I love it. Mm -hmm. And uh, what uh, if you are using uh, like a regular console or or an arcade PCB? What do you use to line double up to your CRTs? I use OSSC. Hmm. And, and you, Aquas, how how do you usually deal with that? Uh, uh, well, I don't own PCBs, but I mean, I do have er like other consoles. Mm -hmm. Um. And for that, I just have, uh, I just typically do S video for, uh, mm. the retro consoles, which is very, very nice. Yeah, it is. Through the GV USB to Japanese capture card, which actually have, has tricked a lot of people on my stream. They think it's RGB or something, <laughs> a better, a better capture, but it's just S video. It does a very clean 60 FPS signal. And then, like, you know, just HDMI for a 360, PS3, and et cetera. A, for nice, the a nice little device, too, is the, uh, Oh, help me, Art. It's the um, RetroTank. Oh, the RetroTank retro is amazing. Tank. It's amazing. Yes. I, so I recently bought a RetroTank. A 5X actually, or a 2X? No, okay. the old one. The yeah, pro yeah. old one. Because um, I need an video on that bad boy. And the reason why was actually to capture VCR uh, from uh, mm. VHS Superplay. So I bought these rare VHS Superplays of Dodonpachi and I had to capture them. And if you try to buy a commercial VCR capture card, um, the ones that I was getting, they can't handle the 60 FPS action, and they mm -hmm. they they crash. So you needed, I needed a retro tank to do it, and I've been very impressed with this little thing. So, um, that might be a great thing to look into, Aquas, because it has S video output, so you could get it, uh, you could upscale input. it. Yeah, and I've heard great things about it, but oh yeah, input. Sorry, yeah, input. So you could scale it onto your uh the, your PC from S video. You wouldn't have mm -hmm. to get the whole RGB setup because I was like you, I didn't want to. I tried to RGB mod my Super Nintendo, but I lost lost motivation to do it. <laughs> so uh, it's, a, it's a nice little uh, compromise there where you can use S-Video, but still upscale it. Yeah. yeah. They are For me, I've been pretty content with the GVUSB too because it doesn't have to deal with any of the resolution switching. Like, it just works mm -hmm. does through, retro, the, through the standard definition capture. <laughs> does RetroTank have any issues with uh, resolution switching? I, I've nope. experienced that, so I don't know. No, they they are an issue with some other cards, but yeah, it's a <laughs> highlight. It's a highlight of uh, of uh, the new products where you can switch resolutions on the fly, and it doesn't lose a beat. It's amazing. I've uh, a... I've changed checked with uh, Chrono Cross and with Symphony of the Night and Silent Hill, and everything's nice. fine. And also, those are great. And the... sometimes the Mister, uh, sometimes mm -hmm. the Mister will resolution switch. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's mainly because True. if you're loading a core or if the original console resolution switches, well, the Mister has to follow 
the, the, right. the original resolution. Yes, of so course. So wouldn't that be funny if you had to output your mister into a like a retro tank or something? <laughs> Good thing is that you're usually plugging it into a, a PGA or CRT where it it doesn't yes, matter. Yeah, so you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe for on your capture setup, you're that yeah. you're that hardcore. Yeah, maybe there. Maybe there you need, but of course the HDMI is uh, out of the mister. You can configure it to be fully buffered on like 60 frames and have the original rate in the in the PGA out. So that's amazing because you have both worlds working perfectly. So, in your expert opinion, do you think the RetroTink's going to take over what the OSSC does, like that aspect of the market? <laughs> I've not put out my review on the RetroTink yet, but ah. I believe that it is the best you can get for. Uh, no frills, no setup setup. It's so easy to just plug and, and get everything going. The only thing that I, I would be missing, I would completely uh, just like shove my OSSC into a, a drawer if it have BGA in. Because I use a lot of uh, retro computers like PC88 or X68000. Yeah. But aside from that, it, it's it's been amazing. Yeah, that's true. Sometimes I put VGA into the Retro tank. A lot of the times it gets mad at, or not the retro tank. Sorry, the OSSC. A lot of times it gets mad at me though. So. Mm, yeah, yeah. You have <laughs> to you have to deal if if you're using some obscure stuff like the X sixty eight thousand or the PC eighty eight. They have different frame rates and different ports, and and it's it's a mess. You have well, to. What I was trying to do, and maybe I just don't know the settings of the OSSC that well, but I was trying to upscale four eighty p to ten eighty p through it, mm -hmm. and I don't I don't. My attempts were not working out. It was not handling it. It was like, no, get this crap out of here. <laughs> but I don't know if that's possible on the OSSC. It is. Take it is. And, and it's okay. really good so at it. I'm just doing it wrong. It, <laughs> it's, it's not that easy. You have to to dial in the stuff ah, that you need okay. from the menus. Yeah. Yes. So then the OSSC still still got it. Still has the, yeah. the magic. Exactly. And uh, for the retro sync, I've been using like uh, uh, an Extron 192 to combine the sync. But it's it's a bit messier than I'd like it to be because it's so simple in general. But I like to to check arcade PCVs in the, in the nearby future because I use the NAC splitter. I don't know if you you know that for for JAMA. I um I'm a heathen and I use the uh, that board that everyone yells at me for using for JAMA. It's the one. It's like the Retro Fighter or something. Everyone I, yells I at me not to use that board because <laughs> it blows up your PCB or something. I have no idea. But it, well, arcade PCVs are, are also hard because you you get the different video levels and you have to just set up set that up for for the OSSC or any other. You have to to attenuate the signals. Yeah, luckily I only have two PCBs. I have a PGM and then I have um, Strikers nineteen forty five too. Those are awesome PCBs. Awesome. Yeah. I'm gonna do some stuff on my Strikers PCB here soon. That's great. It's uh, it's and uh, you you were mentioning our psycho before, and it's just such a sniper game, <laughs> right? I'm I'm saying you know it was only 140 bucks, and for a PCB that's not that expensive. Well, wow, that's really good. I th it would be a little bit hilarious for me to like go back and re-edit my Nintendo Life review and be like, you know, just buy the PCB. But I'm sure people would not accept that. But <laughs> <laughs> if you want to get rid of the lag, there you go. And talking about lag and how the speedrun community, how how has the speedrun community in general, from your your perspectives, uh, accepted uh, or not emulation and and hardware emulation, Aquas? Uh, well, uh, speedrun.com recently uh, 
it actually allowed Mister to be a selectable platform. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they also have the other FPGA consoles as selectable platforms, but now they're actually recognized as platforms instead of just. Before that, I was just taking the emulator box and then just mm-hmm. saying I was playing uh-huh. on the on the Mister. So they're actually no, they're noticing it now because so many people are actually trying it out and uh, using it. Um, so that's great. Um, but still, like you know, it's not original hardware. It's it's the it's FPGA, so it it is separate still. Uh, but um, you know, it just all depends on how what the community is like on speedrun.com. Every game has its own has its own community, and uh, it's really up to the discretion of the communities as far as uh, how they want to compare different platforms and whether they think it's important to um, separate all the platforms and and uh, the con- and uh, the methods and whatnot, or if they just want to like group them together just to like build a community and like kind of get things going. For me, I just you know, I, I mod I mod some leaderboards on uh, speedrun.com, and mostly I just want people to submit times, and that goes that also go, kind of go, uh, goes into the area of like uh, detecting cheating mm-hmm. as well, because cheating mm-hmm. is a thing in in speedrunning as yeah. well. It's like it's yeah. as real as anything, really. Um, but like for me, like when I approve a lot of these runs on these leaderboards, like I'm just looking to see if they're playing it. If nothing's too fishy, like it's good to go. Like I just want people to see that these games are being speed ran, but that can backfire on you. <laughs> yeah, I feel I honestly feel really bad for speedrunning moderators because um, there's this real trend on uh, YouTube and stuff where I think in the beginning it was like well intentioned, where people are like, yeah, you know, there's issues with cheating on speedrunning. It's not all flowers and daisies and happy go lucky sunshine. Like this is something that needs to be paid attention to. But there's also, I think, a trend a little bit where people expect some of them. They'll make like expose videos or like, oh, on this frame, the the mods didn't pick this up or that up. But it's like the mods are there to like kind of glance it over. They're not going to frame analysis everything. Yeah, it's, it's not everything is volunteer. <laughs> They're not going to sit in. Like that's what I'm saying. Like everything is volunteer on speedrun.com. Yeah. Like it's it's not Twin Galaxies. You you don't really want to compare it to that. I mean, and then well, like, Twin, Twin Galaxies, Galaxies is and... such a sham anyway. It's such a sham because <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, I mean that's kind of got gone to shit and stuff with all the Billy Mitchell crap going on and well, even outside that, that they're they're. <laughs> Because I looked into maybe submitting to Twin Galaxies a few times. I have a whole podcast on this. But their their proof requirements are so ridiculous that it actually makes it hard to submit stuff to them. Because they want you to like ID yourself. I'm, like, I'm not going to ID myself to submit a score to you guys. Sorry. And I remember Pearl submitted a replay from Battle Grega, a legit one, from the console. And they like it got into like mod hell. And they they like, no, you, this can't be real. And he had to like... It was a big issue and all this type of stuff. Like, it's hard to get stuff on there. And then on the other side, there's just rampant cheating going on behind the scenes. So it's like basically newcomers, new faces are held to these crazy standards. There's this video I made on my channel that's really funny. It doesn't have a lot of views, but I think it's actually really funny where I read all the requirements to submit a Donkey Kong score <laughs> to them. It is hilarious. It, it They start talking about oh, like man. power supplies and like it's this whole song and dance to submit a score to their donkey kong boards and yet on the other side they're just emitting vhs tapes and they're just letting any anything fly if you're part of the the boys club so yeah i don't have a whole lot of respect for for twin galaxies but 
I don't, I don't want to get sued or whatever, so I better stop there. <laughs> Do you think that uh, it would help in some way? I'm, I'm just throwing an idea out there. To have, like, a validation in the video of authenticity, like, I don't, I don't know, if the emulator of a mystery could just, like, have some watermark that guarantees when captured. I, I can't imagine how it could be done, but something could be. People, and the thing is, is, like, people are so fucking crafty these days. Yeah, but yeah. it's... Uh, there's like this cheating and stuff. It's like there's God, this version of Mame called <laughs> Wolf Mame mm -hmm. that I know a lot of leaderboards, like a uh, certain Mame ones, want you to use. That is pretty good. Wolf Mame. That's pretty good at like uh, cramp clamping down on cheating. But I am sure, like Aquas is saying, you get someone determined enough, they're gonna blow right through yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, of course. And, like that's like a project to these people. Like they just they just kind of want to do this just for the sake of it. You know, it's just like it's yeah for the for kind the of shitty, of it. but it's just what it is. It's it's well, in the nature also, of humans. Like when you're a teenager, you, you want to do crap like that. Like when I was a teenager, I went I did crank phone calls. Looking, why did I do crank phone calls? Because I was just a teenager. Like looking back on that, stupid. But yeah, I could. I see. remember I had a, I had a friend who cheated on uh, Counter Strike and Battlefield, and I was like, man, I don't know, man. Oh my gosh, do you remember trying to play Call of Duty on the PS3, and there's like people flying in the sky, instant death snipes, and invinci like it got unplayable no. because so many <laughs> cheaters flooded it. Well, it's that ridiculous. It's like you kind of need the the bigger devs to step in or something. Yeah, you just can't play anymore. Well, it's yeah. it's it's human nature, I believe. It's and it's also well, Gettle proved mathematically that any system that it's competent enough can be broken. So what we need to teach people is not to break systems. I actually have no idea what to do about cheating. I think this is like the big question mark for the speedrunning community as far as what they're going to do about it. Because the thing about shmups is if you're like a cheater and there are cheaters and shmups, your reward is 10 people no notice to run. Like the, <laughs> the stakes in shmups is so small that... Even if you're a rampant cheater like Shalanchi in World of Long Plays, it's almost funny because there's there's just I think the worst part of cheating in shmups is stuff like World of Long Plays where they just do task stuff and they don't tell you the task, and so people watch it and think it's legit runs and they get millions of views. That that well kind then of, that that does know, that yeah that kind of uh, emphasizes uh, this whole stigma of like shmups being too hard to get good at and stuff. If if yeah. they're not legit replays, then and Watch. people are like actually like watching them and analyzing them, then they're not going to oh want to like actually play the games at all. Exactly. Aquas, so like, that's the problem. Seen... Actually, the problem with that. <laughs> have you seen Shalanchi's Dodonpachi run? Uh, it is absurd. No, not really. The dude is do <laughs> okay. He's dodging the patterns in a way that makes some no sense. There's a part in Dodonpachi where it shoots these pink waves, and you're supposed to time yourself between the waves. He dodges in between the individual bullets of the walls. That's like in impossible not even a yeah. world japanese player could do that and he like no misses hibachi with shot type <laughs> i mean it's like i said it's so absurd <laughs> that it's funny but it's also not funny because like you said new players watch this and they're like these games are literally impossible there's like, no it's way like uh, i'll never i'll never do that yeah, yeah it's just like it's not a good thing to establish it do also kind of gives like, uh it does a know. disservice to players like jamers where i remember when i first watched yeah. jamers channel had he not had his annotations I would have been like, this guy is a little too good. You know what I mean? But he has his annotations and he explains how he's doing everything. And you're like, oh, and you learn and everything. I think it's also a disservice to his type of channel where it's a much more healthy, helpful video for people to watch because they actually learn the games rather than watching someone cheat their way through the game and pretend like they did it legit. 
and uh, you, you mentioned TAS, and uh, of course you've already said a bunch about it, but maybe some people don't know what it is, and do you think there's a legitimate use for TAS? I absolutely do. I All I request is you put TAS in the video mm -hmm. description. T-A-S, three letters, put that in your video description, you're good. And what it's does that not, mean for the people that... It's not that, that hard. Uh, Tool-assisted mm -hmm. speedrun, or I guess if it's for shmups, score mm -hmm. play, I guess you could say that. Just okay. tool-assisted in that case, yeah. Yeah, that means that you're using an emulator to do all... You can do it different ways. You can slow down the frame rate and play at half speed or one-four speed and then speed it back up. You can use save states to sort of chop pieces of save states together into a clean run. There's all kinds of little tricky ways you can uh, cheat or, if not cheat, use tools to assist you, which can be very useful. For example, when we're looking for the score glitch in Dodon Pachi, I was using um, Tool Assisted to just try and get the glitch because, you know, I'm not mm -hmm. a world-class Japanese player, but to even try to get it, to test it out and to see how it works and to explain it. Yeah, TAS has a lot of uses. All I ask is just put TAS in the video description. That's all you have to do. Agreed. Agreed. There's a bunch of stuff yeah, that it's is. amazing to just watch <laughs> no? for entertainment. Oh, yeah. And often TAS players do end up finding strategies that become like legit strategies later on with mm. some tweaking or it's very yeah. useful. It's just you got to just don't pass off fake runs as real. That's all. And, and like you were great power, right? That, that, oh, that, yeah. That quote. It's like that. What were you going to say, Yaquas? Sorry. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. We caught yeah, you. And uh, so uh, talking about this, uh, are there any features that you would like or a wish list of stuff that you're missing in, in Mister that would be good to have? Mm. Save states for the main the main cores. Mm. That's, that's huge. But like, I'm definitely content right now. <laughs> Because we got it on the GBA and uh, some other stuff, but like, and the NES now, NES has save states. That's or uh, th I don't think it's in the public build yet. No, yeah, I, I believe I it is. I but, believe uh, it is. Oh, it is. Yeah, no, that's epic, man. Epic stuff right there. Because I mean, otherwise, like the alternative is uh, getting flashcards in original hardware, and like you know, that's a whole you know different thing. You're not using the Mister. But yeah, I mean, for people who want to use safe states for either practice or uh, just playing through games, I mean, it's, it's it's just a nice thing to have. Everyone loves safe states. <laughs> and you, Mark? Safe states, yep. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> um, for Dodonpachi, uh, I found this guy and uh, raised some funds for him to make a trainer that makes it so you can like level select and things like that to help you learn the game efficiently. But there just is not beating any save. There's just not beating save states. They're so yeah. Those those trainers so are super nice. I think they got one for uh, Alpha Two and Three. I think yeah. And some of the fighting games have been coming out because the fighting game community has been taking notice of the Mister, obviously. So it's mm -hmm. like those guys are hardcore. Yeah. So they're gonna they're gonna need to be able to practice on this thing somehow. I mean, yeah. Saves. I guess the PCB it's a little bit harder, but like it, I guess it's like you go into versus mode or whatever. Safe states is <laughs> definitely the guy play, but safe states is definitely the big the big kahuna. But another feature that I personally think would be cool is they could add some sort of fast forward. I like to use fast forward when I play shmups, like you can fast forward through like transition screens and stuff. I don't know if the Mister could pull that off, but I think it would be cool if you could have a little fast forward button so you can get through credits or transition screens or. It's there for Game Boy or GBA, just like Santian says. Nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that I'd love to see that in the the cave arcade cores or on Neo Geo stuff like that. Yeah. Overall, I'm very content with the Mister. It's uh, it's got it's got a great uh, 
It's got a great, great options for you in general. Yeah, it certainly has. I think maybe Remember, remembering your configurations is always nice. Yeah, yeah. Maybe different video settings. Maybe you could add a little bit more to the auto fire. It has pretty good auto fire settings, but maybe uh, make them oh, yeah. a little bit more adjustable, a little bit more flexible. Because for certain games, you need you need like super specific auto fire settings. You, yeah. you mean like one every X frames, right? Or, or yes, yes. It's like triggered Brega. to be sync. Like in well, they recently had had added uh, smaller increments to the uh, millisecond auto fire setting you could do. Oh well, then but, maybe um, they before... already added it because when I was but doing it's like it, uh, it was like increments of what twenty five or fifty or something like that. It was like yeah, it feels like thirty two or something like that. And then like they added sixteen or something increments. There's a smaller increment, but what I would actually like to see is just like increments by each millisecond. Yes, mm. because some games like Grega, you need. Exactly, <laughs> and uh, I exactly actually commenting the on this. Thing quite is a bit, that but... uh, sometimes, like in the in in some arcade PCBs that you place, uh, they are synced to be sync, right? And if you have it to be sync, it's uh it's different that you have it every X milliseconds because w when you need it every X milliseconds is because the frame rate changes and you have a controller that's separate from their hardware, right? Uh, maybe I'm reading this wrong, but I believe that uh, yeah. having it attached well, the, the to thing... every X B syncs or every B sync or every two or every three would be the way, right? Well, I I guess if you could adjust it every millisecond, all else fails. You could just dial it, you know, mm. one more up, one more down. In the worst case scenario, the thing about shmups is sometimes you can get a little weird with your with your auto fire rates. Where like in Mushihime Sama, you're like putting auto fires on auto fires on auto fires, like Kiwi <laughs> does. I mean, it can get a little out of hand um, in the world of shmupping, but. Uh, I think that would be a nice addition, just very precise. Because I think Mame added that, like really precise control over your auto fire. And maybe the the public doesn't, the audience doesn't know why why uh, auto fire is used in shadow maps, and maybe they don't know that many PCBs have it as an option. What can you say about that in the basic level? Do you want to go first, Aquas? No, I'll, I'll let you go. <laughs> oh, okay, I, I, I actually made a whole video about auto fire and shmups and how I'm a big supporter of using auto fire. It's interest. It's probably an interesting divide between speedrunning and shmups because speedrunners, like I was watching the the Ninja Gaiden World Record progression from uh, Summoning Salt, and he's talking about like the best runners mash. Like there's no tomorrow. They're like the best mashers, and uh, and shmups. Uh, some people, you know, are still about the mashing and everything, Twin Galaxies, for example. But I personally think there's just, you're pressing that button so many times, especially if, like, you're trying to do Dodonpachi chaining. And uh, some games have built-in auto-fire, which is nice. Some don't. But from what I understand from the fellow shmup players, auto-fire on the firing buttons is fine. And then auto-fire, you can't auto-fire on the input except up until a certain point in time. These are all JHA regulations that are weird, where basically you can do it on P47 Aces, but not games after that. So uh, in, in summary, shmups are much more lenient and permissible with auto-fire because the Japanese players went auto-fire crazy and they built all their special hmm. auto-fire Or a commander. <laughs> Yeah, well, they built special circuits to get yeah. specific auto-fire rates on, like, Rega and all these different things. So it's much uh, more accepted in Shmup. Uh, have you seen the Racco PCB, for example? No, I haven't. I just put it in the chat, and it's uh, it, it, I bought one from Shiromaps uh, for, for Same Same Sama. 
in particular. Oh, nice. Yeah, and uh, you know how that that's usually called pain, pain, pain because the rate that you have yeah. to keep up, right? <laughs> it's a very hard game. Yeah, I'm fair. I, I prefer the Genesis port, to be honest, in, in terms of gameplay. Much easier. <laughs> Twin Cobra would be good go-to. <laughs> way way easier. Yeah, way easier. I, I can do that. <laughs> I can't do the... Yeah, those Reiko PCBs are cool. I was going to mention, too, that uh, Turbo Graphics mm -hmm. controllers yeah. have uh, autofire uh, switches on them, which was, you, you know, that was just you know, accepted because it was actually in the default controller. However, I don't think the auto fire rates in the mister can exactly match that to my knowledge. I don't know exactly, but like, I guess it gets really technical on, uh, how the actual turbo graphics auto fire, uh, it works versus like something like the Mr. Implementation. That's a good thing you mentioned so like, it. We, we should kind of nice it. to have uh, Turbo Graphics to, uh, take a closer look at that. Maybe have a specific auto fire settings for that core. Yeah, which match because, the, the original like, controllers. Because yeah, because that because that makes a difference. Like for example, Bonk Bonk uh, Bonk's Adventure speedrunning. Mm -hmm. Like in that game, uh, if you uh, rapidly tap the button or use auto fire, Bonk will can float in the air with his little head spin. Yes. Well, that 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 the distance you get from the head spin differs between the auto fire rate, and so you and so uh, as I understand, the the Mister can't get that exactly the same as uh, the Turbo Graphics auto fire setting. Yeah, most at probably the rate. So in that sense, you don't have an accurate um, re reproduction of uh, the Turbo Graphics. Uh, so I'd like to see that improved. That's a really good point. And yes, uh, the controllers have their own timers inside, which are completely separate from the console. So it doesn't know what it's doing. It just sends the button as if you were <laughs> pressing crazy. it. Yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, they wonder if the PC Engine Mini covers that correctly. And I don't think so. But it, it's a small thing, but like it's no, it's important because issue, yeah. <laughs> for speedrunning, this is very, very important because it's a different thing. It would, it would yeah. just split it into a separate platform if that, if that, does, that doesn't match. Sorry. Right. Yeah, so I'd like to see that. Yeah, evolved a little bit. That'd be cool. Yeah, that that would be because I love the Turbo Graphics. That, that deserves it. It's a, such a good system. The Turbo Graphics library in the U.S. is it's so many good games, and then there's like a million more for the Japanese library. But and he also got <laughs> so much love in Mister in particular. Uh, I've yeah. I've personally very loved that playing Turbo Graphics in the Mister. It's so good. It's it's really really good. If uh, somebody is listening that hasn't tried it out. It's amazing. Uh, they they match the audio with MD3. They revealed the the whole thing last year, and video is is so good. I've just compared with the two 240p test suite the uh, output from each a real console and and the and the mixture, and and they match pretty yeah pretty good. It's nice. They they obviously aren't exactly the same because you're talking about different things. But it it in placed in a PBM and switching between the sources, you don't notice a difference. That's what's important. And, yeah, exactly. And, uh, well, talking about, um, are, are there any disadvantages that you find from using a mystery instead of an emulator, for example? A lack of safe states. Pachi, <laughs> I, have to, I have to sometimes still use Retroarch because I just need those safe states for the chain practice. It's pretty close for me. Like, I got the, the RafNet SNES to USB converter, and uh, I love the SNES controller. That's the best controller out there, in my opinion. And uh, I can get the Super Famicom one, or I can get the American one going. And it just, 
it's just great like hell yeah i mean then then of course you know there's the snack and uh blister and all that Mm -hmm. for using the actual controllers um but just going usb through a converter like that's like this is a perfectly good option yeah and and it's really good that you mention it because most people just obsess with the uh, perfection and, and less least uh, latency, right? And you guys that do speedrunning are okay with USB, and and I'm okay with USB as well. Uh, people would be surprised yeah. that I don't calibrate to the precision that that I I'm expected to, I guess. But it's it's so close that it's really really good, right? Like right now, my Mister, I got like the SNES controller through the converter. I got an arcade stick in there, and then I got. Uh uh pc the hori commander the hori fighting commander pro i got that one in there too and uh those three controllers like i can change the sticks out whenever i want i got a couple sticks but like between those three things like i'm i'm set yeah like anything i want to play i'm good you can change on the fly right (laughs) yeah and just change on the fly if i need to and it's only i'm using i only have a four port usb hub but the other port has the keyboard i always leave the keyboard plugged in and now that you mentioned the keyboard what about playing with keyboards? What do you think about that? Well, I haven't messed with uh, like MSX stuff and all that too much, but I mean, it's the Mister can do it. I mean, it's, it, we didn't even talk about any of the control uh, com- old computer cores, but it does it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, but I was I was talking instead of a joystick. Do you have any uh, any experience I mean, with that? Uh, I I don't prefer to use keyboard for my input method, frankly. No. I know there there are a lot of really really strong players, especially Toho players, but also stuff, um, also cave players like um, Juju Kenobi and Prometheus. They play on keyboard. Keyboard's really really strong input method for shmups. There's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. I personally am not that great on keyboard, but if you get a real nice mechanical keyboard, you can do some very good damage. And I mean, people can argue that it might be the best input method because of how yeah, quick I mean. you can get the inputs in there. Yeah, definitely keyboard players could consider Mister for sure. I mean, that's definitely a great option. Yeah, and trying to play something like on like a SNES with a keyboard, <laughs> like on original hardware, <laughs> you're gonna like, get real. You're gonna have to get real crafty to pull that off. So that's another huge, uh, huge advantage for keyboard players. Yeah, for sure. I, I've not measured the, the input latency for a keyboard on Mister, but it would be fun to have to to get to know what what that works for <laughs> all the keyboard measurements yeah imagine that <laughs> oh man that'd be so many key different keyboards <laughs> you mean to get like the keyboard like enthusiasts out there like buying these old crap keyboards for expensive money and whatnot <laughs> like i've never owned a mechanical keyboard i always just use like the one that comes on my computer mm-hmm. <laughs> i have one for work where uh, i can type at work faster but i actually don't play i don't really game on them i have tried and tried and tried but I'm just too addicted to the arcade stick. So I just, after a while, I just plug in my arcade stick. <laughs> yeah, of course. And uh, about your, your favorite games, which you usually play in your channels, uh, what can you tell us about them? Oh, as far as Mr. Goes or like in general? Oh, in general. Oh, well, it, that just kind of depends on the week and month for me. I mean, I kind of go in between different things. Uh,. What am I liking recently? I've been playing a lot of Smash TV and the Super mm-hmm, Nintendo mm-hmm. and the Mister. <laughs> I've seen that. That's a really that's a really cool port, and uh, yeah, I've been lo- I've been loving that. Like, uh, actually, like speaking of the the Hori Fighting Commander, I actually prefer that controller for Smash TV and the Super Nintendo because on that Super Nintendo port, you use 
the face buttons mm-hmm. to do the uh, directional shooting instead of the second joystick, which would be the arcade style, be a twin stick shooter. But I use the Hori Fighting Commander Pro because that has a bigger face button, so it's easier for my thumb to roll around the face buttons and get those uh, inputs. I actually do not prefer the SNES controller, original controller for that. So it's like, you do get these little advantages for uh, some stuff like that. And for me, I just, I've been loving the Jotago, all the Jotago course. I love Capcom games. Like, that's just been so awesome. Um, I love all those old Capcom Makamura, games. And- yeah, that's been that's been fucking awesome, and like that's been it's such a great library to kick off the Mister Arcades with, and uh, man, it's just and you know we're coming to a close with the CPS two mm-hmm. um, beta uh, with Jotago. He's going to release the public version probably in like a month or so here, and that's going that's just going to be that's going to be great, and uh, it just just really makes me happy to uh, be able to play a lot of these games because like. They they honestly like all these uh pre CPS Capcom games like the emulation on them is just not it's not perfect mm-hmm. straight up like the, especially the sound like the sound is not is not perfect in in MAME. yeah Yamaha is so hard to 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 deal with right and uh, it's it's really shocking that uh, when you when you play some of these cores that and how how different they sound it's it's amazing honestly yeah that's why I mentioned the Genesis Mini against the original hardware because it also uses FM synthesizer and it, it lacks the same feeling. It's it's FM sound is so pure when you hear it right. I, I've heard from people that are Genesis heads, like Mister's got the Genesis sound pretty <laughs> on lock right now. Yeah, they did and, an amazing uh, work. I, I, can, I can attest to that. Like I can't notice the difference. I have a Genesis myself. I, I play Alien Soldier on it sometimes, and I load it up on the Mister too, and I don't, I don't notice the difference. <laughs> it always sounds epic. There's, there's no difference that I can measure, at least. And the Alien Soldier is. So yeah, that's kind of like, yeah. El- Go ahead. Alien, sorry, Alien Soldier. What can you tell us about that? Oh man, that that's an epic game. I mean, that's a treasure masterpiece from the company Treasure, of course. Um, game that's uh, kind of minimal stages, but uh, focused on boss fights mm-hmm. and uh, kind of a. Kind of ahead of its time with uh, having like a, whole, a game with only a boss rush. The next sixty-eight thousand like, on fire. That's just really cool. That's just really cool. That's just a that's just a top-notch, really top-notch game with a uh, great gameplay. Um, it's like good difficulty. Cuphead music. Cuphead in the nineties, right? Pretty much. Like the bosses are 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 great. Like you can really see all the little. Uh, all how all the sprites come together on the bosses because they're like kind of piecing them together on the Genesis, not just like one full thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, man, it's really, it's really great. <laughs> I, the game, that game, something I got into once I got a Mister. Have you tried that one, Mark? I have not. No, sounds pretty awesome though. Treasure, they make amazing games. Yeah, favorite treasure game? Oh, Sin and Punishment. Oh, so fast. Yes, no. I love Sin and Punishment. No Radiant you Silver Gun there. thought it was going to be Ikaruga, didn't you? Nope. No, Sin I thought Punishment it was going to be Radiant. Oh, that's another great one. Um, Radiant's my favorite treasure shooter. Or okay. okay. But my favorite treasure game is Sin and Punishment. And uh, Gradius Five. Gradius Five's very good. Maybe I might... I go back <laughs> and forth whether I like Gradius Five or uh, Silver Gun better. They're both very good. Yeah, both very are. different. And uh, what you about, uh, about you, Quackwest? Oh, uh, I think Treasure made Light Crusader on the Genesis. Yeah, that game was did. pretty sick. 
Yeah, that game's sick. <laughs> oh, really good game. Really good game. That's that's not a common. I mean, that's like, that's kind of like a not like their usual fare. Yes, but uh, it's like a really great like kind of action RPG, isometric style. Yeah, um, with some puzzles and stuff. It's kind of an underdog, like land, right? Like Landstalker and stuff. Yeah, that game is really cool. I highly recommend people play that. That's on the Genesis Mini. That's how you know it's good because <laughs> that Genesis Mini's uh, selection's pretty solid. I'd play. I'd, I would play all the games on that on that list. Same with the Turbo Graphics Mini. Those they did a great job with those selections. Agreed. Got to play all those games. They're super good. I I completely agree. Uh, the, the the selections, the license selection is is really good. Maybe there's some stuff missing, but the, what is in there is is good. Yeah. And what what have you played lately, Mark? Well, I've been playing a lot of cave stuff, a lot of um, also trying to play a little bit more retro stuff. Like I played, for instance, I played some Castlevania Rondo of Blood. That's not a shmub, but I mm-hmm. uh, had a lot of fun with that. Almost. I just did a review on Dangun Feverun, been playing some Darius. Love that. Did a, yeah, did an episode on Darius. Uh, about to do an ep- I've been doing some beat-em-ups too, like Fight and Rage and Batman Returns. I'm about to do one. But, of course, on my channel, you're going to see a lot of cave shmups. That's one of my main passions. So, on my channel, you'll find a billion videos on Dodonpachi. And then, I'm also working on a Ketsui Omote clear. That Tuol mm. Omote. Wow. That might take a few months. But that'll be cool. So, um, you'll probably be seeing me playing a lot of Ketsui and Zero Ranger. I did a Zero Ranger Tuol. I'm going to play Zero Ranger, an event coming up here. Uh, love that game. If you haven't, if you all haven't played Zero Ranger, that's a shmup. I think even if you're not all that into shmups, you should check out. I think it's a nice introductory game into the genre. Very unique. Um, also has a lot of influence from Radiant Silver Gun. Speaking of Radiant Silver Gun, so it's got a lot going on. Definitely check that game out. That's that's really good suggestion. I love that you mentioned Cave and and mentioned it apart from retro stuff. I think the same way, but man, they are retro too. <laughs> Oh, I know, right? I, yeah. I, I always think of cave, cave as like a thing all the time. It's new, but, right? <laughs> yeah, it's new, but no, it's 1997. That's not new. That's retro. And they, maybe they're uh, so ahead of their time, though, they gain like an extra 15 years. Like, maybe that's... Well, the thing is with like cave games, like the first time you play play one, like, you're like, whoa, like 2D, <laughs> like they're, they actually do 2D games like with, with this much detail. I know. Like, and they're and so then, then you actually, under, then once you start to understand the gameplay, you're like, what? Yeah, they're insane. <laughs> like this is it's that insane, and like yeah. that's even like with shmups in general. Like for me, like uh, like when I got into shmups, it was because of Raiden Fighters Jet that I played in the arcades, mm. and the only reason I like was so uh, fascinated was because I saw the people were actually doing like scoring tricks, and I didn't even under- I didn't even like understand the concept of scoring tricks being a thing in a shoot 'em up at that time. And uh, I think once you that that once you kind of understand that type of thing exists in a in a shoot 'em up. And uh, it clicks with you, like it kind of just is a snowball effect from there it's, for people who really like shmups. It's a meta game, right? Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's a full layer that many don't uh, don't see. How? What would you describe for people that don't know shmups as uh, these meta games? Because it's not a single one, right? Well, it's like you have your traditional style of scoring, which is just killing all the enemies, typically. But a lot of these older style shmups do have scoring tricks too, like Star Force, one of the older shmups from 1984, I think, by Tekhan, aka Tecmo, and they had like scoring tricks for like the fucking, like the like the enemies like closing in on you, but you got to like rapid fire before it mm-hmm. closes in and like kills you to like get a big bonus, and like there's a bunch of stuff in that. 
But, like, yeah, I mean, if you start, like, uh, learning about that type of stuff and, like, doing it in runs and, like, you're like, oh, man, I'm getting, like, some big points from this. And then, then you're getting extra lives and then extra lives are getting you more gameplay mm-hmm. time. So it's like that it all adds up to making that experience uh, more and more uh, impactful and, 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 you know, more fun to play. And it's just, uh, yeah, that's like the big thing about shmups that maybe some people, some people still don't get if you're not into that genre is uh, there's just another layer in a lot of these games, um, especially cave games. They mm-hmm. go, they go pretty deep. <laughs> they like play but, uh, with yeah. themselves, right? Well, almost when, too deep. When you master survival in the first stages, then you start mastering the layers on top. So you don't get bored. Some games go a little too deep. It can be overwhelming, but um, when the, when you find a game like for me, like my best advice is like you gotta find you gotta try these different games and find find a game that has that like scoring trick or mechanic that really clicks with you and like it's just it's lights out from there. Like you'll be you'll be chasing all sorts of different shmup from that point, <laughs> trying to see like what kind of different uh, things that they do and every every game has its own thing. Yeah. It's, it's I also kind of think, a, as a genre on a whole, they pushed the concept of playing for score so much further than any other genres that I think a lot of like modern yeah, gaming design sure. is just way behind shmups in terms of playing for score. Where I mean, people oh, yeah, have played so Don't Own Pachi for, for decades, and still, I mean, the game's not done. Same with Ketsui, Garega. I mean, the... They just kept pushing the game design further and further, and they were like an arms race between them and the players that no other genre really has, where the devs just kept making the games more harder and more powerful and more complex, and the players just kept pushing back, and it's it's a beautiful, beautiful uh, thing to behold. So I do hope people start getting into the meta side of shmups a little bit more like general fans, because there is a lot there. You know, people... They seem more interested in it with speedrunning. People love the world record progressions and speedrunning. Smups have that same stuff. There's so much going on within the genre that I, I do hope that starts to catch on with uh, more people. That's one of my big hopes because it's, yeah, once you get the feel for shmups, once you start mm-hmm. chasing scores and following other players, it's it's not, you're not going to find it anywhere else. You're not going to find it in any other genre. There's nothing that's going to quite compare, so... Yeah, I'm a I'm a big shmup fan to say the least, and uh, I do hope more people give them a shot. And you'll take your lumps in the beginning because the genre will beat you down. But the more you play it, the more you'll get hooked, and the more you'll start to see just how immersive the gameplay is. And it, you'll start to actually yeah. look at other games as slow and boring, and like oh, let, <laughs> let's get on with it. And shmups yeah. just come at you full force all the time. So yeah, I love a good traditional shmup where it's just shoot stuff to get score and stuff. But there's usually at least something, yeah, even somewhere that's ones, gonna be even, uh, yeah, like the uh, meta, like in Sidearms Hyperdyne, mm-hmm. the Capcom game. Like that's just basically just shoot stuff and get the point items. But in the end of the game, <laughs> if you uh, suicide like on the on the tail of the final boss, you get like a huge score bonus because it's a bug. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the meta there is to go through the game without dying, get all the point bonuses, and then execute this score trick at the very end of the game. <laughs> and like that's that. It's like but, a like, no miss just... bonus. Kind of. <laughs> yeah, and. <That's> uh... <laughs> If you get that even just like once or twice, like you've already like beaten all the scores in like a Capcom arcade cabinet. It would be interesting to know if uh, you did, do you damage it if you crash into the tail. I don't think so. I don't. If, if I don't you damaged recall, it, imagine if you if you killed it with the same last life. That's but some, basically that's like some Grega stuff, right? I know, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting like little thing, but like yeah, I mean it's just uh, it just kind of gets a little bit more deep as you kind of go through the years. I think the scoring elements kind of get a little sophisticated as time went on. But also, I believe there's a basic layer that it's more engaging than people give it credit for because the games are designed yeah. in such a way that it you get this adrenaline rush and and you get then get some frustration and then some panic and then again you feel powerful. And the design is there to make it work on the first level, right? Well, and then if you're playing actively, you know, trying to learn from your mistakes, mm -hmm. that's a big difference too. Yeah. Because shmups are... I Not mean, credit uh, fitting, right? I mean, they're hard, but I mean, it's only because there's certain sections that are hard. And then once you go into the game, think uh, kind of uh, trying to analyze where you're making your mistakes, you can really go a long way from there. And it's kind of like a mindset that uh, you kind of have to take on. And I, I feel like uh, a lot of people might not um, be going into these games with that mindset. And that is a detriment because that doesn't allow you to enjoy them to their full extent. What do you think? Well, also, I had an interview with none other than Aquas. And Aquas had hmm. this great, this is on uh, an older episode of the podcast, and he had this great uh, quote that I often repeat to people where he was saying, because we're talking about the difference between speedrunning and shmups, and a lot of speedrunners have a problem with shmups because shmups auto-scroll. And they, you know, speedrunning, you want to hold forward. That's like part of the fun of um, speedrunning. Aquas had this great quote where he said, once you start speedrunning, I think we're talking about Contra, you're holding forward all the time anyway. It becomes a shmup because it, it, <laughs> it becomes an auto-scroller. And I just, that's how shmups... It really does. Think about shmups <laughs> like that. It's like, the game is running. It's like if you taped down the forward button on Mario and you couldn't untape it. It just, you had to do everything else while Mario was running forward. That's how shmup level design is or good shmup level design. You're just running headlong at the game at all times and you can't stop. You can't run away. You must engage. You must fight. It's such a... I love that. It's such an underrated aspect of shmup game design that, yeah, I think speedrunners, if you change your mind from, oh... The game scrolls, so I can't hold forward to... Oh, no, the game is just holding forward for you. Hey, you don't even need to hold forward You don't anymore. need to hold forward. Now you can move around and fight while holding forward. <laughs> and, like, do all, all sorts of other weird things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a really fresh perspective uh, for, for people that, that haven't engaged on it. But it feels so... Um, I don't know. It's, it's so engaging, right? It's addictive in a way. It, well, yeah, that's why shmups are awesome. It's like an adrenaline rush because you are you are forced into those situations. And uh, if you were just, I mean, with speedrunning, it's like uh, a platformer. Like you don't have to play it fast. I mean, most people won't. Yeah, exactly. and so they won't uh, experience it the same way as a, as a speedrunner as a speedrunner would, and etc. So it's like it's just a matter of uh, with speedrunning, it's like for a lot of people, it's like uh, experiencing the game a different way. But like with a shmup, it's like that's the only way you're going to experience it. What's, <laughs> what's really fun about shmups too, especially watching live shmup events, is this isn't a knock on speedrunning. Some speedruns are much more exciting to watch than others. But sometimes when you watch a speedrunner, you actually don't know if they're messing up because they're like, oh, that was a time loss. That's a time loss. You're like, but, you know, unless you have the trained eye, you don't know if they're messing up. What's fun about shmups is you don't need a trained eye because their ship explodes and they <laughs> die if they mess up. And so it's, you could yeah. not know anything about a shmup and watch a live demonstration and still be on the edge of your seat. And I think, uh, like, your run at GDQ, Aquas, like, you showed this. No one knew what Moochie Moochie Pork was, and everyone was, like, freaking out because <laughs> they know if you die, you explode. And that's all you need to know if you're just watching. And so 
Shmups, I think, are not only fun to play, but they make great spectator gameplay as well, because especially live, because you don't know what's yeah. going to happen. Uh, yeah, it's that's life or death. I, that's definitely true. For me, like, it's even hard for me to spectate a speedrun without even having played the game before. If I haven't played the game, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And I don't understand why this is important, why this is uh, impressive. Mm-hmm. But once you play the game and at least play the game, like, it, it, it gets a lot more interesting. But yeah, with, with shmups, it's just... It's more of a simplified. Uh, it's more like a raw experience. The player against the yeah. machine, or as I like to uh, being described, uh, every single time that you play a game, it's like you're uh, like playing a theater or or a play. Yeah, and uh, it's between you and the computer, and every single uh, run is a different live experience, right? And and a shoot 'em up, it's uh, very close to the metal. Uh, experience with you and the machine making this happen. Yes, and you can you act the, like you DJ experience in a spectacular <laughs> way. That some speedruns, uh, you can fail, and it's like a little bit embarrassing. But it's just not the same as game overing and the sh- game being like you suck, and then <laughs> everyone in the audience is like, "Oh, dude," you know what I mean? It's, there's there's something yeah. about shmups that's so concrete and brutal. Yeah, it is. And some games do tell you you suck if you game over. Which is <laughs> yeah, funny. some of them do. <laughs> Blazing Star. You need more practice. You are you asleep? <laughs> yes, <laughs> are you asleep? <laughs> yeah, are you even awake? No, something like that on Blazing Star. I don't or remember. in Ketsui, there's like this. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> when you game over. Oh, but you you gotta love the game over screen for for Batsugan. I can't remember what's that one. No, when when every single boy sample is played back. I just back. never game over in Batsu. Oh. That's the problem. I just never, <laughs> I never game over. <laughs> uh, that's a good one. <laughs> I just remember that weird continue uh, jingle. I think from Batsu Gun, where it's like the guy going like, Ooh, yeah, exactly. Ooh. That's it, or whatever. <laughs> it's like uh, like you were mentioning about the remix with the voices at the beginning of the of the program. That same kind of thing, but with the boy samples of the game. Mm. And uh, now that we're on that subject, do you prefer Toa Plan or Cave? It's a pretty big difference. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, well, I mean, it's, they're, they're, yeah, they're so different. I mean, Toa Plan, none of the Toa Plan games have uh, advanced scoring systems like Cave, mm-hmm. first of all. Um, so it just comes down to if you prefer a traditional style or if you prefer a more sophisticated experience, scoring experience. Do you think it's... For me, uh-huh. for me, uh, Cave. Okay. <laughs> I love Toa Plane though. Flying Shark is one of the best shmups ever made. I love that one. You show Sammy. That, that if you play Flying Shark, like that teaches you shmup fundamentals, and, the, and you're good to go after that. The, the plane speed in in Flying Shark is is so good. Yeah, it's slow. Yeah, yeah it's slow. It teaches you how to how to move around the screen because you can only move so fast. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's really good. Such a smart, such a smart design. And do you think a top-line game is harder than a cave game, or no, for a beginner? In some oh, ways. Every, in some ways. Yeah, I mean, every, yeah. One, on one hand, you have with the old-style games, you have the bigger hitbox with the, with the ship, mm-hmm. and that's hard to negotiate for some people. With cave games, it's like people don't understand that the hitbox is tiny. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing. But once you understand it's tiny, then you have to then reframe your mind exactly. into thinking, okay, okay, then we reframe your mind to think, okay, this, the ship's tiny. And then also, are the bullets tiny, too? Mm-hmm. And then, so, it's always, it's, for me, it's like, whenever you play a modern shmup, like, learn your hitboxes, just intentionally die and find out what's going on. 
Because otherwise, you're just probably not gonna. You're just gonna like be freaking out all the time because like a bajillion bullets are passing by your ship, and you're just like, "Oh, I should die." It's it's <laughs> way closer to how you drive a car, right? That you have to feel the the machine. <laughs> the problem is, is oh, that Toplan made a, a game experience. called Truxton Two. Mm-hmm. That game is ridiculous. <laughs> that game is a nightmare in difficulty. Um, Caves made some really tough games too. Uh, I feel like Truxton 2 like tortures you mentally, so maybe not. <laughs> maybe like in human in human damage, it might be the worst. <laughs> and the, the 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 length of the stages, right? The length, yeah. Of rough the st- check, uh, rough checkpoints, and uh, heavy HP on the mid mid enemies. Oh yes. and also the patterns. Are the, the the, also, the patterns are quite fast and big fat hitbox. But the 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 graphics are so pretty, man. Yeah, but that's part of the the <laughs> abuse. That's like a you know what the the. What's that called? Damn it! I almost had the joke there, but like um, codependence, right? Like it, it keeps bringing <laughs> you back just to slap you in the face, then you come back and slaps you in the face again. It's domestic abuse. <laughs> so, <laughs> I for oh. the answer to that question oh. for, for me is cave. But to be honest, that's unfair because you could put any X and then cave. I will always choose cave. Nintendo or cave, cave. Sega or cave, cave. Well, like anything you put there, cave will win. I'm a I'm a cave fanboy to the depths of my core so i will always say cave that, that's rising, good. Well, one thing that rising and uh, cave are uh, close but i yeah. still go with cave yeah it depends on the on the era of cave that you're analyzing and favorite cave game dodonpachi fast good uh i, I think i like moochie pork the most mm. really nice I i've only crazy playing, about but... cave is not only did they make an amazing array of powerful awesome games but they made games that are so unique from one another like mm-hmm. a guange i mean mm-hmm. what that yeah, game is out of left yeah, field but that sick. game is so awesome it, like, it's it, awesome and, and it's already and feverun can't wait for that core futari <laughs> i mean these games are incredible and i feel like no matter what people say there is at least one cave you're gonna like if you're a shmup player there's gonna be one yeah. that you will like there's gotta be what do you think about side yo I wish I could it's give a... I wish I could give a good review, but I feel like the 360 port is too flawed for me to know what the potential of that game is. So if I had an exa cabinet yeah. and I could play it in proper proper low input lag, proper port job, I could tell you. I'm not a fan of the 360 port though at all. I yeah, think it's pretty playing bad. the arcade mode in 360 sucks. Mm. Yeah, but but it so looks amazing. <laughs> yeah. So, so someone mail me the PCB and I'll give you the review. I mean, let's just make this simple. Play, play the Xbox 360 mode on uh, the 360 port, though, and that doesn't have the input lag. Oh, really? So you can at least you can at least enjoy that mode. Yeah, it does not have the same input lag. Yeah, it feels lag. it feels really different. Stupid. <laughs> that's crazy. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's uh, if you want to enjoy SDUJ, that's probably the way to go. You know what's hilarious about SDUJ that we're talking about? I made a video about this. If you play it in 480i. Versus 1080p, it actually has less slowdown in 480i. Wow, really? <laughs> port, yes, I have a side-by-side video on my channel comparing the two. Playing it in 480i produces less slowdown than playing it in 1080p. Uh, and have you tried 480p? I have not, but who knows? I, don't, I, I went with the extremes. I went the extremes with the least you know, resolution versus the most resolution. Who knows in between? Maybe it's like a little... I'm guessing little, 480p would be the same as 4EA because it would be kind of the same know. loath. Yeah, I, I think so. And, and your be. favorite cave game, Aquas? 
Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I think Bo- it's Mushi, Mushi, Mushi sorry, Pork. Yeah. But uh, I like Guange. Like, Guange is one of my favorites, he, too. He didn't accept your answer of Mushi. You need to pick No, no, no. <laughs> I, uh, I I was thinking that Mushi I've only experienced on the Xbox 360 port. And yeah, and yeah that, I, like, that port, I like that in Guange a lot. That port's a little uh, little rough, from what I've heard. Is that right? I have no idea. Is it? Uh, Quest is not right. It's a little yeah, inaccurate. I, I, think it's, I, I think it's great. Okay, get it. I could be wrong. <laughs> I, uh, Maybe I'm I, thinking of the pink sweet side of things. And when you play those ports, what do you do? Do you use like uh, convert them to 240p or uh, place a scanline generator between the PGA out of the Xbox 360 or play them in, in 480p? I, I just do 720. 720, P. okay. Me too. I do 720p as well. Try try a scanline generator on, on the Xbox 360 with a VGA cable. You'll love it. I have one. Oh, I'm just too lazy to plug it in. <laughs> Come on, it's I just do. two cables. I have, I have a VGA Xbox 360. I have an Xtron that I could plug it into, and uh, it could go to my CRT. I just need to stand up and plug in the <laughs> plug. Ah, uh, I know. Which Xtron do you have? You have a Moshe? Xtron and Moshe, too. Yeah, they're really nice. Oh, super! I'm looking at it right now. Super extra emotion too. It's got, it's like got the extra. I don't know what the super does, but it's super. <laughs> I only have the regular super, so I have no idea what the two does. I don't know. It has component and it has S video. Okay, a component. Component. No, mine only has uh, RGB and S video. Ah, see, I got the component. That's probably it. Yeah, I guess so. That's what the two should be doing. Do you have the anti-flicker mode? Yeah, I do. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I've only used it on the non-interlace mode, really. Me like, too. Yeah. Anti-flicker is kind of cool, but yeah, I use it in the the non-interlace mode as well. Yeah, and RGB is really good. Composite looks uh, surprisingly good. It's not accurate conversion, but it's it looks really, really good. I have been using it with the Mister. As a matter of fact, when we were testing color spaces, but it wasn't accurate ah. enough. Yeah. I use S-Video out of mine. Yeah, this was just for testing. Mm -hmm. My CRT can't accept RGB because it's an American CRT. Yeah, typical. It it takes S-Video. S-Video is really good, and and Component is amazing. So those options, it's good that we have them. Oh, they're they're mentioning Air Gallet and Raiden X. What do you think about those two? I've never played uh, Air Gallet. It's it's a very, very nice-looking game by, by... Junjuri Nui. It's old school. It's old school, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, by Gazelle, uh, an offshoot of Toa Plan. It's really nice, visually. It's it's the same art. Airgal Air is really good. The, it's a great traditional shmup. Yeah, it's the same guy that did the art for Espredo and uh, and Guguange, uh, but all pixel Ooh. art. So it looks amazing. Yeah, you do yourself a favor trying to Airgal it. Let me, take a, let me take a look socks. at these graphics. Exactly, Aquas. <laughs> it blows your socks off. <laughs> Is you have like to watch in the, that intro. Attract yeah. mode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what they say in the attract mode. Yeah, a lady. Exactly. <laughs> Blues, you sucks. I love that. <laughs> I, I just love keeping that in attract mode and, and saying that. I love it. I love the the intro in that game. Is that yes. one of the best shmup intros I've ever seen? Yes, it's very cinematic. Yeah, the graphics are really good. I'm watching a rocket take off. It looks impressive the music is also epic mm-hmm. I, it's like it, it's music sounds like it could be performed live in my my stream i made it last week i believe i placed the, the pcv uh, uh live streaming the, all the sound tests and intro so there it is oh you Man. got the authentic yeah i i had a very good deal like 10 years ago so i couldn't 
I couldn't uh, resist. I'm, I'm really bad at it, but I love it. <laughs> kind of reminds me of, of, of Raiden. I'm looking yeah, at it now. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. has like a power-up yeah. system like Raiden. Got the laser, everything. Yeah, it's a pretty straightforward game with some nice patterns and some good, good ass bosses. And the good thing is, I'm not, and, I'm not uh, saying not I have no insider either. info, but it uses kind of similar hardware to all Toa Plan Two games that use the same cave hardware for sixty-eight thousand. Not exactly the same, but very similar. So that's good. So you're saying there's a chance? I say uh, there's a, there's a chance. I hope there's a chance to be more precise. <laughs> So, well, I think that we covered everything that we had. I don't know if you had any any more information that you'd like to share with the audience. I was going to say, uh, one thing that the toe playing games that the cave games don't do is, uh, in toe playing games when you die, there's usually a checkpoint mm-hmm. in a lot of them. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so learning to recover from a checkpoint is like its own art form and like skill you need to master. I love it. Uh-huh. And uh, that's something that uh, you don't really have in a cave game for the most part. A lot of the times you just get all you just like pick up all your power ups again. And you just go back to the, the the madness. And it's interesting. But, uh, that is something that's definitely uh, lost between the two. And it's interesting in their interviews they mentioned that that serves several purposes. First, that it's fair in the terms of you have to cover the game knowing your basics and you go back like in the training modes of M two games that kind of same idea and also so that it's in sync with music of what's happening in the stage yeah i mean like a flying shark for example and like some in those similar era toe playing games like they have like all the different areas mm-hmm. that you can die in so it's like it's like literally like fucking like 50 different checkpoints throughout the loop so like you end up like learning uh how to recover from these different spots and some are harder than others obviously but I think they specifically went out of their way for uh, Flying Shark and Twin Cobras, I think, mm-hmm. to uh, make every checkpoint recoverable. So uh, I think that's always a noble design choice for these older style shmups when they make it just uh, challenging enough for you to come back when you die. Because that is really uh, one, of, one of my favorite thrills of a shmup is, co- is recovering and coming back from a death. I agree. And, and just reappearing so you can't, you feels can't different, right? You can't ignore that. Like a Gradius game, like mm-hmm. people think Gradius Syndrome, like you die in a Gradius game, you're you're screwed mm-hmm. over. But no, like put in those ten quarters or ten credits or whatever, and do this, grind that same checkpoint over and over. Like you will eventually probably get through. Our type, unless you're playing Gradius Three Arcade, <laughs> unless like, a couple checkpoints in that are like unrecoverable. <laughs> and what do you feel about our type? Most of them yeah. are. Uh, I mean, I'm more of a Gradius fan than our type Good. fan, mm-hmm. but I mean, kind of similar deal there. R-Type Leo. like, you, you kind of got to get that shit back, the, your force back and whatnot. Have you guys tried the final two? R-type? Oh, no. I played the fifth. I have. Yeah, I have. It's uh, it's cool, I think. I think it's pretty good. And uh, I reviewed it, and I had a very controversial review. I thought, <laughs> it was, I thought it was a noble effort. It was solid, but it wasn't quite there, so I didn't recommend it, and all hell broke loose. So, oh, boy. Um, yeah. I think it's, I think it's close. But not quite. Yeah, and it's good to keep the bar not that low, right? I I would think so. I mm-hmm. would think so. And uh, what would you expect M2 to work on for this year? What would be your your golden choice? Well, they're trying to release this toll plane collection, uh-huh. as I understand. So I guess there's that. And uh, what 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 else to look forward to? Well, I'm just. I mean, there's. 
There's the Mr. Core already in, in the works. Yes. I think it's like that's kind of competing with the M2 ports now for me. Mm. <laughs> so the the dream for me is that they release Those M2 ports are great though. Dodon Pachi mm. and they have campaign version on there. That is the golden dream. I it will be the one time on my YouTube channel where you will see me do one of those Maximilian dude reaction videos where I go like, oh my god, and I do front flips. Like that would be huge if they release Donan Pachi, you know, proper port because all the Donan Pachi ports suck, and then have the campaign version, which is a lost uh, version of the game that is not playable anywhere, not even through emulation. It's locked away on some PCB somewhere. That would be the golden. You know, that would be huge. But one I've been waiting for that I think is likely, but for some reason we haven't seen it, is Batrider. I mean, mm-hmm. where's Batrider? Yeah. We got Grega. Where's Batrider? So, yeah, that should be coming because uh, PS5 is out now. And yeah, uh, Batrider would be huge. Yeah, it would be amazing. Do you like? And it, it, It'll be on the PS5 if it come, when it comes. I feel like it makes the most sense, too, because there's no port of it, not even a bad mm-hmm. port. And uh, they've done Raising before. They've done Grega. It's like, you know, Grega's sibling game. It's well, they've already said they did most of the work on it. It's just the yeah. PS4 didn't in PC uh, performance with those performance issues. Yeah, so so that yeah. that would be the big part of that. If they release that on the PS5, they'd make me buy a PS5. <laughs> and what about uh, Batrider? Do you like that game? Yeah, I just feel, I want Batrider first. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm I, I can do a one CC on Batrider, so I am partial to that. I can't do that <laughs> on Batrider, so. You know what? If you like Batrider, there's a fun mode in a the Battle Grega port that okay. I made a custom mode where you can make it play like Batrider. Okay. Um, look on my video. It's like look on my channel. It's called like Bullet Hell Grega. Okay, and got you it. You can have all these uh, strategic suicides, and I show you what mode, what settings to change. It's actually really fun, and it, it kind of plays like Backraid. Yeah, I love Backraid. I don't know. I clicked really good with that game. Or, or, or is this simply that I wasn't bad at it? <laughs> I could once see it. So, in the in the hard, not not the hardest. Just uh, it's a fun game. Yeah, it's it a is really fun game. I, I love it's the great. music on it. It feels good. Yeah, Rising Rising's my second favorite shmup developer after Cave. Yeah. And uh, from the Rising games, uh, which do you prefer of the Maho series? You know, I haven't played them all. I've just played Sorcerer Striker, and I like that one a lot. But I've been watching replays of the other ones. They all look really interesting. Probably the second one, right? Mm. That Daimahu, Dimahu. Ah, okay, yeah, uh, yeah. And there's that one's probably the best, right? Daimahu is that really amazing. The best. Yes. Yeah. Shippo Mahoda Sakusen is so strange. I like it. But <laughs> yeah. It's so strange. There's a great. There's a great video of that on Shmup Slam Three. Uh, uh, Kayo played it, and he, he had really entertaining commentary. That's why I recommend it. It's it's really fun watch. And and what about you, Aquas? Which one do you like best from those? Um, I don't, I don't know. Like, I guess probably the original. I haven't played Demaho that much, and uh, I have pl- I've actually played Shipu hmm. Mahodasox and AKA Kingdom Grand Prix. Hmm. Yeah. Um, for one CC, and uh, it, it came's pretty good too. But I mean, yeah, Demahu is just uh, it's it's on another level than those other two games, big time. If you like Grega too, it's got kind of a polarity system going on. Yeah, it, it has an intense amount of uh sophistication. The items that you uh, gain from using the different uh, color type sh- charge shots, um, just uh, it's on a whole another league, in my opinion. So. And it looks that amazing would be too. A um, prime yeah. candidate for an M2 port because of the gadgets they could add, where you could see yeah, the item list and definitely. everything. 
That would definitely be but, helpful. But if M two are listening, get to uh, get to Batrider first, and then do. <laughs> I'm sure they're and like then, working on it right now. And then do Dodonpachi, and then just call me and ask me what to do next. <laughs> and we'll talk it over. In technical terms, not talking about the gadgets or everything else, the, it's easier in, uh, to make Batrider or uh, Dodonpachi. But licensing or gadgets or yes. modes, which is well, what Dodonpachi is mm-hmm. kind of a nightmare because there's like an Atlas involvement with Dodonpachi. So I have to, I don't know if that would be a barrier or not. I hope not. But yeah, it's it's such a shame. And uh, Atlas kind of strikes me as kind of a cool company. Maybe they'd be down for it. Take so you've mentioned Dodonpachi several times. I love the series. So taking uh, and I mentioned uh, SDOG basically because uh, which one do you prefer taking those two? from the list uh doj or donampachi mm-hmm. doj is the better game but i like donampachi more mm. there's your answer <laughs> good good and what do you think about daifukatsu either of you that is uh, t- too flashy for, <laughs> for my taste that game is uber popular right now that is the game is to play right now it's very popular yeah a ton of really high level players are playing it uh, they're doing all kinds of crazy stuff with it i think it's kind of its stock is going up i think if this keeps up more I did this little survey. I didn't finish it because I want more people to answer before I finish. But I've I've got about 150 responses. And looking through the responses, it seems like the most popular shmup right now is DFK among the player base. Interesting. Pulled. Yeah, it's very popular. I have the the arcade poster. uh, Just uh, you open the door to my house, and that's a poster in your face. (laughs) Nice. but it's, it's a, a pretty big departure from the other Donald yeah, games. Yeah, it but feels it's so a different. good game, though. It is a good game. It's not my favorite, but it uh, I, I wasn't as bad in it as in the other ones. I believe that canceling the bullets helps a lot for accessibility, and then it complicates yes, I, things. <laughs> I think the idea was to kind of refresh the series for newer fans, like newer potential newer fans, I should say. Like the autobomb system, mm-hmm. all the stuff they add. It's really great introductory game for players who haven't played uh, cave games before. And what do you think about Dodonpachi 2? Oh, um, B-Storm? Mm-hmm. The greatest ROM hack of all time. <laughs> it's really fun. It has fun. a fan base. People love that game. Um, obviously, in quality, I think it doesn't compare to the DDP series, but taken on its own merits, it is quite a game, and it, it is pretty... I almost... Yeah. I was just moments away from the 1CC in that game. Just moments away. It has a hilarious sort of weapon system too with the the charging and all that um it's a fun game though it's definitely fun you a quest yeah don't don't sleep on beast storm it's decent <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know it's it's funny it's the it's the it was my first dot on patchy game that i got physically i was buying locally and and uh i oh, bought did you get the cart yeah yeah and, and i got nice, it like for cool. two dollars something like that what? yeah it, it was in a Man. in a bunch a group buy that i bought the, i bought some neo geos and the guy saw, uh, just told me, I have this card. Do you want it? It had no label. So I knew it was nice. PGM, but I didn't know what game it was. Right? That's because cool. uh, I didn't know by memory the, the, the numbers in the ROMs. And uh, so I bought it, and it was Dodonpachi 2, and I was, well, wow. <laughs> a $2 PGM. I mean, roll the dice. You're going to get something. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, <laughs> That's awesome. And, and, you know, PGM in general is that solid library, so... Yeah. It was a no-brainer. So, uh, anything else you want to add? Sorry? I'm all good. Get me out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck 
three hours. Yeah, three hours. Thank you very much for for staying with me this three hours. It was very <laughs> entertaining. Fun. You you barely needed my input, and that's that's good. That's nice. And I believe that uh, we covered all the the themes of the that we wanted to. Please uh, tell the audience where they can find you and the things you're working on. Uh, that you have amazing channels and content to share with them. I'll go first. Uh, yeah, you, you can catch me on uh, Twitch uh, slash Aquas. If you want to check me out, do various stuff that I like. And then uh, the SCG Weekly channel on YouTube if you want to check out some uh, people talking about shmups as well. Always good there. Um, that's about it for me. Awesome. Thank you very much for, for staying here and, and your talk. Mark? Cool. So you can find me on my YouTube channel, The Electric Underground. So go to my channel, subscribe, and then start watching all my videos in reverse order, doing <laughs> thumbs up and commenting and just saying I'm the best and tell all your friends. Uh, my YouTube channel is definitely my main focus. But if you want to come and yak at me in the Discord, I also have a, a Discord called uh, Shmup Revolution 2020 Discord. Um, there's, it has a lot of activity and a lot of cool stuff going on in there. So those are the two places you can find me. I have a Twitch channel, but uh, I, I stream on YouTube more than Twitch now. So <laughs> every now and again, you'll find me playing uh, music I'm not supposed to play on the Twitch channel. But other than that, you might find me on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> that has uh, been a, a touchy subject as of late, right? Well, my, my plan is I'll do it until they ban me and then I'll just be banned. Because <laughs> I, I prefer to stream on YouTube anyway. Well, uh, thank you very much for, for your time. I had a great time talking with you. Sorry about all the technical issues that I had. Oh, but I didn't even notice. <laughs> oh, you mean when you dropped out of the call? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Oh, not a problem. That's the par for out. the course. Yeah. But, well, thank you guys, and thanks to everybody for listening to Katrinix and Sentient 6 and all the mystery community. And, well, hope to see you around soon. Adios. Yeah, thanks, everyone. Bye-bye.